0: I'm Miniash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber.
1: I'm Jay Sticky.
2: And welcome to the Mind Killer. I'm Wes Venza.
3: I'm Miniash Brodsky. (laughs) And I'm David. (laughs) The Rationalist Brain on Politics.
0: Yeah. We uh, are doing a cross-cast
4: today.
5: Mind, brain, Bayesian.
4: The Bayesian Killers. Conspiracy.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And together we are. Mumble, mumble. And I'll form the head. So David's uh, <laughs> <laughs> on left leg. <laughs> we actually like, do have five people, and we could totally make a giant robot.
0: Hell yeah! Well, making like the giant a robot would take a while.
5: We could do a Team, yes, at least.
0: So, anyways, yes, we are doing a cross um, pollination podcast thingy. Is that
4: that's not a term? It's yeah. close enough. Okay. I was going to say if we hit ten uh, thousand patrons, then we'll do a robot. But that Ooh. was that joke is past. Don't
0: definitely don't ever promise that. <laughs> you actually, have to make a robot. I I make a if robot.
4: we hit if we hit that level, I'm I'm prepared to make a robot. Okay, not a good robot. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about robots, but I'll make something that looks like a robot. Cool. All right. All right. I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm willing to go with that. Great. Now we get ten
0: thousand patrons in the next ten years.
4: Deal. All right. I know how to make a robot that is like
5: is a Roomba for a tabletop, <laughs> and, uh, one that does a silly dance. Great, uh, we're halfway there. Various we need one, the little car things.
0: We need like, one, I've done some very basic robotics. <laughs> we need one large enough to fit at least one of us.
2: So for like the four listeners we have who listen to the Mind Killer but not the Bayesian Conspiracy, they're always like this.
4: But, well, this yeah. It's
2: just, just tangents from start to finish.
4: We don't have a good script or, or, <laughs> a, or a strict leadership. But we
0: usually get to what we were trying to talk about.
4: So today we're talking about two less wrong posts. First one is priming and contamination.
0: Yes. Um, okay. I, I guess, yeah. Uh, Wes and David are the hosts of the other podcast, which we uh, talk about politics. Uh, I wanted to mention that real quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes.
4: News did of I, the day kind of thing. Did, did I get to the point too fast now? You right. did. <laughs> I did. Little thought You're
5: getting too good at the segues. <laughs>
2: this, this is why you need a an, a
0: good outline. No. Outlines are for <laughs> nerds.
4: Yeah. We just we just wing it and forget stuff like cool people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like we haven't mentioned our merch, it turns out, for quite a while.
4: Because That's we true. Oh yeah, David didn't know. That's alright. Yeah. yeah. We have Guys, merch, they have our wearing our dope ass shirt and it looks great. Hell in yeah. fact,
0: wearing this shirt.
2: You can get the Bayesian conspiracy logo
0: on anything. Yes. Well, not anything. Apparently you cannot get it on mouse pads. What's which is so out? weird. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. You'd think. It's a high high that's item.
4: I think I give anyone who wants it permission to just download the J like the JPEG and put it on their own make your mouse pad website. <gasps> Go nuts. Just don't sell it. <laughs> if you sell it, I'm on a nickel. Well
0: okay. We want at least 15%.
4: That works. Okay. Um, I went with a nickel because that's what J. Jonah Jameson wanted every time someone said Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs>
1: was that from one of the movies?
4: It was in the first one with okay. uh, Tobey Maguire.
2: Cool. Yeah. Well, there goes my bootleg mouse pad business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can still uh, do it. Cut you, us in. I guess it's uh, not really bootleg if you're cutting us in.
4: Well, yeah, but then, like, then the FBI will get after you because they have nothing better to do with their time, right? What you guys <laughs> exactly. Are. They, they went after somebody for selling fake sports merch, which is actually a fun idea for a market, right? Yeah. I was thinking like used uh, celebrity clothing yeah. would be another like whole thing. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, yep, used women's underwear and vending machines in parts of Japan.
1: Mm-hmm. And they I mean, sure you could just do.
4: buy underwear, funk them up a bit, and sell them over, you know, in Ziploc bags over the mail and make yeah. 50 bucks a month or how much people are willing to buy. I mean, I could wear the
0: underwear. No one's, <laughs> no one has, <laughs> no, not a good, cute Japanese girl. No, they
4: could tell. <laughs> <laughs> Could
0: they? Yeah, um, maybe only
4: you. No, okay. nah, it doesn't smell like a cute Japanese girl. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It smells like Brodsky a big again.
3: girl. <laughs> Sorry, to the can pro- we talk about American. literally
4: anything else? <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that we're primed on. On underwear sales, yes. let's talk I about... I thought
5: like contamination was maybe a better segue. There, but... <laughs> Damn it, you're
4: right. <laughs> now that we've contaminated the conversation with uh, used underwear sales. So, this post is fun for a couple of reasons. One... What is the name of this post? Priming and Contamination. Thank you. Um, as I said a few minutes ago. I know, but that was so long ago, we probably forgot. Our astute listeners will have remembered. Sure. Anyway, uh, this is... So, this was on the... Uh, I forget when this came out. 2007? seven, eight. Yeah, yeah. so... Like the state of the research at the time was, uh, in this, I mean, I was taught this in all the way through college, um, that, you know, if, uh, you suggest people, whether it's like spin the wheel, um, and it's fixed to land on like somewhere in the teens or somewhere in the sixties, then ask them to guess the number of countries in Africa that are part of the, uh, United nations, their number will correlate with the number that landed on the wheel, um. Or, yeah,
5: or be a higher or lower number.
4: Yeah. If you ask them their uh, their zip code and then ask them how many practicing physicians there are in California, those numbers will correlate. Whereas if you ask them in the other order, they don't. Hmm. I was told all this shit for ages. I hmm.
5: think this is true. I, I, you're bringing up the replication crisis, right? I think yeah. that had more to do with... Um,
0: That's more like anchoring.
5: Well, it, it was also uh, priming, but that was specifically in
0: like social sciences why are we bringing up the replication crisis for people who have not read this post yet?
4: Because as the title suggests, it's about priming. Okay. Yeah.
0: And priming?
4: Priming is the idea that if I were to like say, Hey, I'm going to go to that place where I need need to go deposit the check. By the way, when I say bank, what does that mean to you? You'd be like, Oh, the money thing, not the edge of a river. Right. Right. Um, whereas if I, would maybe if I had said, I'm going to go chase beavers by your house because you sent me a picture of a beaver over the weekend. Mm. Um, and then I asked you (laughs) a bank meant, you'd be like, Oh, that's where that's the edge of the, the water, the body of water. Yeah. Um, now that's obviously like not if it was just me and you, it's not a reliable sample size, but the idea was that this was a big enough effect to where you could get people to connect ideas to other ideas by giving them one idea first.
0: Yeah. And like the, like the whole bank thing is kind of, um, just obvious because yeah, you're going to be thinking about the context of what you guys are talking about, but this extended to the fact, uh, to that. Some studies said that like, if you prime people with ideas of oldness, they will start walking slower afterwards. Right. Which I mean, at the time I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. Our brains are weird. And then, uh, the replication crisis happened, which for people who've listening a while would already know is the fact that a lot of social science studies, uh, before about 2014 or so, um, People just didn't bother to replicate them. And once they try, started trying to replicate them, they failed to replicate. And <laughs> and in the meantime, they'd
5: been, like, writing books about them. Yeah. Uh, about what this means for humans. Yeah, including them in, I don't know, discussions where they, it might be relevant. Yeah. But, yeah. like,
0: the
4: fact that you I know,
2: have... less wrong sequences, that kind of thing.
4: Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. The, the, the fact that I have so many examples of priming just from what I remember from 10 years ago suggests to me that they didn't necessarily replicate the exact thing with bank or something, but they did enough similar things Mm -hmm. across, I am assuming decades and different. uh, In fact, another fun thing about this post is that it's cited heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, So like this wasn't just one person misreading one person's paper or even trusting too much in one person's paper. This was like the established consensus for some decades. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There was, there was even those things where if you put a cold cup in someone's hand, they're going to act more cold to you. And if you put a warm cup, they'll act warmer (laughs) to you. And, I think my favorite uh, thing that's come out of the replication crisis is uh, one of the best ways to predict if something is going to replicate or not without actually doing a replication is asking a random person on the street, does this sound like crazy bullshit? Not using those exact Words. but uh for things that mostly sound like crazy bullshit they don't replicate
4: <laughs> or, or even <laughs> just things a-
0: where people are like oh yeah that kind of makes sense those often will
4: even just ask yourself you know just this trick my bullshit ometer yeah. now that said like it's possible to be surprised by results yes. right if you had asked me um two years ago hey if there's a a um uh a flu-like plague going around in 2020 you think vitamin d will have a surprising effect on the uh the impact that it has on a body i'd be like no fuck you you snake oil salesman mm. and then lo and behold it, it appears to right yeah um, and the the other thing about this too is like i think it's worth keeping in mind that like like i, I don't blame ellie Isaac for getting this wrong because it was the established state of science and he his goal wasn't to like become an expert yeah it wasn't in... his
5: research right like, he, he's citing other research that seemed to have been peer-reviewed and
4: yeah and I think that you know even if you're trying to be as right as possible, like a, it, it is still a reliable heuristic to say, let's trust the expert consensus right. and like I'm doing that with the vitamin D thing. I didn't review anything um, personally, and I'm not equipped to. It would take me a long time to get good enough. And how am I going even if I were to review some of the, the, the studies that were done, how do I know that they weren't fraudulent? Am I going to conduct my own? Before I believe anything, fuck that. Who has the time?
0: <laughs> I think we've been talking a lot because we're in the same room and we can see each other. West, David, did you guys have things to jump in on at here? Nah. <laughs> uh,
2: so the vitamin D thing is pretty hotly contested. Yeah, um, somebody's offering like a th- th- hundred thousand dollar bet that vitamin D cures COVID, and uh, Scott Alexander uh, dev- is definitely on the other side. He said, and he was offering to uh, take that bet with
4: slightly. Um, lower terms
2: 100k now, was a COVID, bit
4: too rich for him but here's covid isn't the claim i heard i heard that it, it impacted the severity of the case
2: yeah there's a lot of evidence that it um people who have bad cases of covid are vitamin d deficient right um, there's not a lot of evidence that it's that deficiency that's causing the uh severity um but it does kind of hint at that and they, they haven't really had time to write to, to run really good studies on on what the causal mechanism is
3: yeah, Wait, and it- didn't they run a study that where, like, 100% of the people that they gave vitamin D had no to mild cases? I, f- I don't remember. Uh, I, I distinctly remember uh, uh, Svi Moskowitz's blog post that said, either this is a real effect, it's fraud, or it's a- incredibly good luck, and no one has luck that incredible. Or I guess incredibly bad luck if it really is a false positive.
5: Yeah, or just a bad study.
4: But then the takeaway to take from this post is that we should wait for that to replicate once or twice. But of course, like, the other thing with this particular example is that a bottle of 300 vitamin D pills is $8. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt you. Right. I was already taking it every day for the last few years anyway. And so when I heard this, this was, geez, sometime over the summer maybe? Yeah, probably like six months ago. I bought yeah. $80 worth of vitamin D pills and gave them to everybody in my family <laughs> to take these, please. Um, I,
2: I gave them out as uh, stocking stuffers for Christmas. Nice. Yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, if they were, oh, maybe it was over Christmas, uh, whatever it was. It was some, sometime, you know, the whole year blended together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if if vitamin D pills cost a buck each, I would have been more inclined to do more homework or, uh, you know, at least wait for better data or something. But given how cheap it was, this didn't strike me as like a, you know. If I, if I was being huckstered by snake oil well there's probably some marginal benefit to taking vitamin D anyway and uh it didn't cost me that much money so
2: well i uh so talking about the replication crisis i get i get really mad that that's what people call it because it's uh i call it the bullshit crisis <laughs> because it is uh it 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 ha- the thing we're referencing is we've discovered that a lot of the entire like the psychology community and psychological studies are bullshit. They did yeah. them badly with bad information, hygiene, poorly designed studies, and didn't use methods that we've known for decades are, are what you should be doing.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so uh, like, I feel like of, qual- <laughs>
3: uh, a couple of episodes you talked about the, I think you talked about the post where, uh, in where it's basically just to Ellie are bitching about how, um, rationalization is a really bad term Mm -hmm. because rationalization is the opposite of rational. Yeah. And like, I feel kind of the same way about the replication crisis. The replications aren't the problem. Yeah. Yes.
2: The, uh, but it's not, it's not that the failure to replicate isn't the problem. The problem is the study was bad.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: it's much harder to cite the bullshit crisis in a serious scientific article. I suppose so.
5: And I think most people who are talking about it know what it means. Like, I don't think anybody thinks that replication is the problem.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, the, I the mean that's also the true of rationalization, problem.
0: though. Yeah. But it's like. I love the fact that he said it's like calling lying truth-alization.
5: <laughs> <Right. laughs>
0: well, they did call it truthiness. <laughs> yes, yes. Stephen Colbert specifically.
4: Save the elephant population. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah God. Um, all right. So. I don't have much else to offer on this one other than I think that it's a valuable, uh, like the, the history is, I, I like the fact that it's left up. Mm. Um, maybe if they, I, I haven't read it in the, um, rationality, AI to zombies. Maybe there's a disclaimer at the top or bottom that says, by the way, this didn't replicate. Mm. Um, if there's not, I would, I would support that, but I do like the idea of leaving it in yeah. because it's like, Hey, look, you can be well informed and wrong. Yeah. And that's a perfectly legit place to be. So. Yeah.
5: Mm. Um, likewise, I, I appreciate, uh, people putting their like confidence intervals at the top of essays uh, and the thing Scott Alexander does where he has like posted his retractions just on, I, th- I think he still has that on the new site. I don't know, but there was just a menu link that was like a list of all the things I fucked up on. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
5: It would be nice <laughs> if these replicated. posts
2: had like a header or something that said, uh, by the way, this failed to replicate.
5: Yeah.
4: Nice. Yeah. Brian Dunning of Skeptoid does that every several months, you know, Corrections or errors yeah. or whatever. It well, was. especially
2: because, you know, entry into the, the rationalist community, people are all like, go read the sequences. So, like, th- this yeah. is a 2007 article, but people are definitely still reading it.
5: I think Eliezer himself is busy doing Miri stuff, but I, he could probably delegate somebody to do that. Maybe we should email him.
4: <laughs> we can email the folks we talked to who like oh, yeah. run less wrong and ask You yeah, know, email,
5: email
2: Rob Bensinger. Didn't he uh, have a big, big role in uh, doing the. Um, ai to zombies
0: yes but ai to zombies i don't know i haven't read AI to zombies i assume it's uh fixed or noted at least in ai to zombies maybe uh i have not i don't
5: remember it
4: okay i listened to the audiobook version of ai to zombies and they didn't say anything about by the way there was no disclaimer in the audio version anyway did they yeah, i don't include, remember that either
3: did they include this post then? yeah oh they did yeah mm, okay then yeah maybe we mm, reach out. I, I don't remember that And I'm pretty sure I would have if they'd included it. So, yeah, they probably didn't. Yeah, I listened to it this morning. Mm. Although, uh, per what Jace just said, he likes. uh, I'd say like seventy percent confidence on that.
0: Okay, I I do um, want to at least mention that there's still um, a note of of good in here, in useful information, I guess, in here. uh, In that our brains do run in networks and activating one concept will um, at least somewhat tangentially activate concepts that are strongly linked to that one, which is, uh, as pointed out in a Scott Alexander on politics recently, a common thing used in politics where you just associate bad things with the other side and good things with your side. And even if they don't have anything to do with each other, eventually in the listeners, an association starts to form between good and our side and bad and their side. And I think that's
4: most of what you see on Twitter nowadays. I I think that, I mean, a lot of these this, this is the sort of thing that, you know, it, I I'm, I couldn't cite a well-done, peer-reviewed study on this, but it sounds like that makes perfect sense to me, and I'm prepared to endorse that. Well, I mean, I mean, it happened just
0: in the uh, recent Scott Alexander article, where he's like, Scott Alexander said a good thing about something Charles Murray said, and Charles Murray wrote the bell curve, and the bell curve hmm. can be interpreted to be racist, therefore Scott Alexander is racist. And they didn't say that last line, because that would be a lie, but, you know, they let all those associations just go together there in people's heads.
4: Sure. Yeah, the and they know
5: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know that nobody who is evil ever says anything right or good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um.
4: So. Yeah, I mean, and maybe just in the in the effect of of reading that sentence about Scott Alexander, they believe it mm-hmm. just in the just in the process of understanding the sentence. Uh, are you trying to segue? I mean, that that does tie us into. Do we believe everything we're told? But I don't um, know if I'm jumping the gun.
5: Yeah. Well, I just um, I'm trying to find out whether priming as a concept was replication crisis and i think it is just social priming yeah or behavioral priming uh having a hard time just finding a clear answer on google though
0: i know that the the behavioral priming definitely failed to replicate that was the one where like putting hot things in people's hands or uh, making them
4: think about old people and they walk slower those ended up being just complete crap that i mean that that doesn't surprise me you know like it's i mean (laughs) If you can make people happier just by giving them uh, hand warmers. Hmm. I mean, you know... I might be happier if I'm cold and someone gives me a hand warmer. Sure. That's because I'm not cold anymore. Right.
5: (laughs) I think that one uh, was not Replication Crisis. The link between temperature and, uh, I don't know, what is it? Revealed mood or... uh... Or whether you perceive someone as behaving warm or cold towards you.
4: I think that's broader than just like, are you holding a warm or cold beverage? I'd have like, to Like look, if, I, if I'm freezing, I'm probably annoyed at everything.
5: I'd have to look into it again, but I actually have a, the West, the, remember the wearable that you wanted to get, uh, the ember. did you end up getting one of those? I did not. Oh, well I have one. I like it. I know. I tried it. What uh, is it? Back it's when a, we could see okay. people. Back when, yeah. Other humans existed. Uh, I think, I think you
2: wearable. let me try it at, um, at Solstice.
5: Yeah, I let a lot of people try it at Solstice. I probably should be getting some kickback from them for how much I've been marketing. But,
4: uh, no, I don't know. It
2: convinced me not to get it.
4: Oh. Uh,
5: mm-hmm. Anyway, what is it? It's a wristwatch-looking device uh, that you wear on the inside of your wrist, and then you can make oh, it warm or cold.
4: I remember that, yeah.
5: does at least uh, change your, your own internal perception of how warm or cold you are. Uh, for some people, apparently, it didn't work for us. Uh, and they cite some of the other studies about, uh, man, what do they call it? Thermal wellness. Thermal <laughs> uh, wellness. Like the one about like the beverages. And they claim that this device could have that same result. Oh. Which, so, I, I don't know. Even just saying it out loud just now, I'm like kind of, uh, but I would
0: want to go look that up to see. So you put it on <laughs> other people's wrists, and then you control how hot or cold it is, depending <laughs> on how we want them to feel about other people are interacting with. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: I, I, I have a very strong prior against anything that is uh, adjective wellness. Yeah, like that's just... That, that just sounds like whoever wrote it or did it or whatever is just trying to soak a bunch of Karens.
5: yeah well, that was the wording of the company that sells the amber it's like oh I'm sure. sure the they they were citing outlet studies that used like real words
4: <laughs> but yeah, t- temperature wellness to me means that like if if my body is at rough homeostasis with like the environment then I'm probably in a better mood than if I you know if I'm sweltering or if I'm shivering right
5: yeah. well the funny thing is this was invented by uh students uh forget if it was mit or whatever but uh there were these students that were working in a really cold lab mm. and they started trying to figure out something that they could wear to keep themselves warmer and they came up with the idea of the product there because but they all liked this thing so it was like i i, I like the idea of like the the people who you know made this product and are selling this product also use it themselves and are getting value out of it generally a good sign yeah
4: that's what they say about power bands and shit too though you know those people wear their 60 dollar power bands yeah well
5: but it's it's a placebo band yeah so they are they're purchasing a placebo effect which isn't (laughs) it's just kind of real
4: as long as you're selling a placebo effect i'm fine with it if you're selling it to say this will do all this magic to you then i get annoyed what's funny about like the solution about i'm cold at work like a I don't know what the temperature control is like there. Maybe it had to be cold, but their solution was like build a $300 watch, not buy a 25 five cent hand warmer at Walmart, (laughs) which is what I do. I think they were moving around a lot
5: and they, there was something where they couldn't have electricity. These hand warmers last seven, eight hours.
4: You put them in your pocket.
5: Oh yeah. Those things are great.
0: And they're, they're cheap. Yeah.
5: Have you seen the ones with uh, us?
0: I use fingerless gloves a lot because, I don't know, my extremities tend to get cold and I need my fingers for, like, typing or other things. But, like, it covers almost all of your hand and it just helps yeah. so much.
5: Oh, I got—I used to have these fingerless gloves that, like, had and the reusable. top part of the glove that you could sort of button to the back of it and then flip it forward so it would have the finger parts if you wanted them. Then I lost one of them and I haven't been able to find one that I like as much since.
0: We are getting way off track.
5: Yeah, I,
4: all uh, super relevant now. I tried to <laughs> shove us into the next post, but you guys were like, also. Uh, I
3: just want to say if the hand warmers last for seven or eight hours and cost 50 cents and the watch costs 300, then getting the watch will, uh, you will get ahead eventually uh, after, let's see, 300 divided by 0.25 times uh, 7, uh, 8,400 hours. So about, Um, thirty years of continuous use.
0: (laughs) I plan on being immortal, so and that—that's assuming Ah. a seven-day work week. That's three years of continuous use, because eighty thousand hours is forty years.
4: And that's assuming they need them every day, not just during. Oh yeah, you're right.
0: I actually really like it for falling
4: asleep. Yeah, I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's perks. I'm just if your if your solution was I'm cold at work, I've already got a solution for you, and it's super cheap, and it's available at your local Walmart.
0: (laughs) All righty. Do, I, I don't know if I should believe you, Stephen. Do I believe everything we're told?
4: Uh, apparently, this one <laughs> didn't replicate, but this is the kind of thing that... I mean, I noticed this in my head. Oh, really? I, I don't know if that's because I have heard of this sort of thing before. Mm. Um, I don't remember if I learned about it in philosophy class or from Less Wrong, but I knew Spinoza was associate, associated with the idea that in order to comprehend a proposition, it basically means that you underst- like that you intuitively, intuitively believe it, for the time that it takes you to compre- to comprehend what it's saying, yeah. and only after the fact do you challenge it right. and and consider it. But like, I mean, so- I, maybe it's because I'm also a really gullible person because because <laughs> deception doesn't doesn't come like isn't something that I I I don't know I I'm less. We're a high trust community, I guess. Which I I but to the point where sometimes I feel stupid about it. But I think I'm getting better at it. It correlates to the high openness trait.
0: Uh, oh really? Because I also find myself. Being like ridiculously trusting and gullible to the point that people make fun of me for it often. I did make fun of you the first time I like came over your
5: house and you were just like, oh, hey, you want to just borrow my car? And I was like, we have literally met it for the first time. <laughs> I could just drive away with it. Yeah. Yeah, like, wouldn't.
0: <laughs> so uh, the, the core of this is uh, this following sentence one might naturally think that on being told a proposition we would first comprehend what the proposition meant then consider the proposition and finally accept or reject it this obvious seeming uh, obvious obvious seeming nothing god damn it this even obvious, even yeah. you're okay yeah. it? no
4: <laughs> this obvious seeming model of cognition or cognitive process fl- flow dates back to descartes Descartes' rival, Spinoza, disagreed. Spinoza suggested that we first passively accept a proposition in the course of comprehending it, and only afterwards actively disbelieve propositions which are rejected by consideration. I wonder if this is one of those things like where some percentage of people don't have uh, the ability to visually, or, like, to visualize objects. Mm. Yeah, like because this is how my brain works. I've done enough meditation to where I see where I when I want to, I can notice my thoughts occurring, okay. and I can read something and then like. I, I believe it for the time it takes me to read it. Okay. And it, I mean, I remember I as listening, it was, uh, I forget, this was, you know, 10 years ago, like it was Pendulette or something on a podcast. Oh no, it was Richard, da- I don't know, somebody was talking about Richard Dawkins, because Richard Dawkins was born in Kenya. Oh. And I think the, it might have been Pendulette joked, yeah, he was born at the same hospital as Barack Obama. <laughs> and it took me seconds after that to realize that that was a joke, okay. because I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And I'd already had in my head somewhere that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, because uh, how everything was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember like, I was like, Oh, that's a fun tidbit. And like, hold up a minute. But that, that, <laughs> that took me five, 10 seconds to, to, to have that that flag fly up. So mm-hmm. that I mean, that's one example that's 10 years old. But I feel like this just happened earlier this week. And I was trying to think of an example. And that's the person that came to me.
5: I feel like I don't have that internal experience. Maybe I just...
3: Yeah, I feel like I don't have that internal experience, too. <laughs> it, the post
0: but... cites like some experiment that maybe um, confirms this, but uh, I also looked for replication on this one online and found that a replication effort actually found the opposite effect. Uh, so at the very least, I would say this is highly contested.
5: Yeah. Or, yeah, like Steven said, maybe it's just people's brains are different. So some people do do this and some don't. Maybe Uh, it depends
0: on what sample you got of people you got in your study. Yeah.
5: I mean, it's still pointing at something potentially interesting, but I don't think we can actually like do anything with it in its current state.
4: It might also just be a habit that I've ingrained, you know, like when you, I mean, if you're reading stuff and you're trying to be a good, uh, uh, a good, yeah, a good still manner or, or whatever. You're like, all right, I'm going to give this person the benefit of the doubt while I'm reading it gonna try and make this the best case possible and maybe that's what belief feels like in my brain mm-hmm. is like trying to make this true um but i, I don't think that's true for i mean i i, I don't i don't when i'm reading the the instructions on a recipe or something right <laughs> um and yet, yeah, like if it's clear that they meant to say eight uh teaspoons rather than eight cups of salt right mm-hmm. like i should notice the difference
5: okay uh, I I, like i must just experience things as neutral like sometimes I'll read something and be like, yeah, it seems plausible. But like, if somebody were to like say, do you definitely believe this is true? I could be like, uh, what I end up saying is, well, I read it in this one book and it was by an author who generally like does good at reviewing uh, articles, adding citations, like checking their work. So like, you know, maybe like 75%, <laughs> but like, that's yeah. That's how I sort of, or like I can read something and be like, "eh, it seems like bullshit," but and then it sort of goes the other way too, where it's like something like seventy-five percent bullshit because this is an off, like this is Deepak Chopra or something.
3: So, maybe, so I'm curious, have you guys ever played uh, two truths and a lie? Yes. No. Nope. When you play that game, do you start from the assumption that things are true and then try to pick out the ones that are wrong? Or do you start from the assumption that they're wrong and try to, uh, um, like, confirm them? Because I I definitely come from a standpoint of, like, I start out thinking everything's bullshit, and then I
4: try to figure out which ones are the most plausible. Oh. for those unfamiliar with this this is i think often used as like an office icebreaker game where hey meet the new team oh. uh, tell t- tell tell people stand up say your name and tell people three things about yourself two of which are true one of which is not okay and then people I... will guess which one isn't true the more I fun versions of drinking all game. true and then try and spot the false
3: yeah i do the same thing
4: so it's, uh, it's uh quite good for first dates by the way
0: mm-hmm.
4: cool Life hack. If you like your first dates, like you like meeting your office coworkers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically this is another one of those. um, This seems to fail to replicate. So there's not much to really address in the article.
5: I want to point out the uh, Gilbert Tafferody and Malone's paper was entitled. You can't not believe everything you read. Okay. It's a good name. (laughs) which also the yeah as as the title of the paper which you are reading is also funny yeah. the
1: uh
0: the post does end with the suggests that we should be more careful when we expose ourselves to unreliable information especially when we're doing something else at the time because part of the experiment was distracting people while they were told false things um i get this i just wanted to like talk about this really briefly because this seems to be a thing that comes up a lot that the more you're exposed to something the more you become willing to accept it and Like this just Mm. seems to happen in the real world. Even when we're not talking about this, you know, you automatically believe things when you're initially told them, even if you disbelieve things at first, it seems like the more you, something is repeated to you, the more you believe it, It, which is why things like uh, the QAnon conspiracy can ensnare people. Right. Right.
5: I do think that, yeah, there's definitely a tendency for, I think that's, is is that confirmation bias? Availability
4: heuristic is another good example. Like when I,
5: social proof or something
4: yeah i mean there's so like that's associated with a bunch of other uh heuristics and biases right mm-hmm. so i mean and here's a, a an adjacent example Inosh, you know like when you look at the or js to it, you might actually know um if you if you're looking at the the moon rise and it looks really big on the horizon yeah do you know why that is
0: yeah because it's close to other things that you can use for comparison uh i don't Oh, okay, so I, I read it at one point and I forgot.
4: <laughs> well, so I think I think Eniash is right. The the but the the commonly accepted wisdom is that it's like a magnification from the atmosphere from hitting more atmosphere. Oh,
0: i, mean, I think, think there's I've enough atmosphere that. to make a difference.
4: Well, that's and it, as it turns out, that's just sense. not the case. But, okay, okay, but but people, this was like a thing that I, I remember learning about like ten years ago, oh. and I learned about the the magnification thing five years before that, and ten years later they're or five years later they're saying, yeah, you know, we we correct people's belief on this, and yet. In the act of informing them about like, hey, here's this thing, and here's like the way that it's not true, here's the actual fact. If you ask people, sometimes they'll just remember like the thing that you told them first after the fact, right. even though it wasn't true. Yeah. Um and so like that might just be an availability thing, an attention thing, or something, right? Yeah. Um
5: Yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot of other explanations, like authority,
0: uh man. I've heard you can test the moon thing, just Put your thumb out. Exactly. And see how much of it it covers. And no matter where in the sky it is, it'll always cover the same amount. And I'll be honest, when I first did that, mm-hmm. oh, that to, to, to test to it, it, it blew
4: my fucking mind. Oh, really? Because it looks huge when it it's does. first coming up over the horizon. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's about the size of my thumbnail. Mm-hmm. And then you give it a few hours. You're
5: like, no way. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah. We're into simulation.
4: We're empiricist. We're empiricists. <laughs> that's, that's the other virtue here. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah. So you linked to a, a thing that found the opposite effect of yeah. um, people who believed things like in the act of comprehending them. Can you summarize that but, that link? Oh, uh, basically,
0: just that it was it was it found the exact opposite of what was linked in this post. That hmm. um, people uh, tended to be more like the Descartes. Uh, at least the people in their sample tended to be much more like the Descartes sample um, thinking than the than the Spinoza thinking. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I said you know it's certainly not something that seems to have been confirmed. Um so the the thing I wanted to say though is like it seems a lot of the time, especially nowadays people think that um there are ideas which are dangerous because if people hear them they will be like mind whammied into believing them and therefore we need to suppress silence them. and suppress them yeah, and like I kind of have a problem with that because it feels like it treats humans as these very easily hackable like we must protect people from this information, otherwise their brains will be taken over and I just Don't think brains are quite that hackable by humans. Uh,
5: Well, that's the whole thing with fake news, though. I'm really glad that they started cracking down on fake news because there are a lot of people who think that, oh, I saw it on the news means
4: it's true. Some people are. I mean, I think was it I think Eli Eiser put it a nice way that like, you know, the the human brain is not unhackable. He put it more eloquently than that. But he was arguing with uh, or he is arguing with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson via Sam Harris on Sam Harris's podcast. Mm hmm because he was like well uh Tyson says that if the if the AI in a box is acting up he'll just shoot it with a shotgun right. and he's like okay yeah sure but you are not like immune from outside influence yeah um but he put it in a fun you know rationalist Yudkowskian way um I can totally see that but like also when
0: people start telling me hey how you shouldn't read Scott Alexander's posts because he will you know trick you into being an evil right-wing ooh. person or something I'm like I think I can read things and form my own opinions.
4: Yeah. I've heard of the, the phenomena you're talking about in two different main guises. One of which is, uh, back in the new atheist days, like some, so there was some argument, like from the, I guess you call them like the moderate atheists mm-hmm. where it's like, well, yes, of course you and I, we can survive without uh, religion yeah. because we're, we're sophisticated folk and we, we're, we can accept reality as it is, but those poor masses out there, they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I find that like demeaning and childish or treating people like children, uh, i mean definitely it's possible that man if you think that's
3: demeaning and treating people like children you're gonna love when we talk about epistocracy
4: later (laughs) looking forward to it the the other main content is what i've heard called the alt-right pipeline yeah yeah. whereas like if you listen to neil degrasse tyson on the joe rogan experience Mm -hmm. well then youtube will recommend another joe rogan experience podcast to you Mm -hmm. and because he he's had that's also guy.
3: something we're going to talk about later. So maybe we should just
4: oh. move on to the <laughs> main point of the show. Very well. I'll just say that that's the other context that I've heard of this, this weird infantilization of people in and that I, I don't approve of that. If you, I mean, this is probably isn't advice anyone can really follow. But it's like, if you think you're, you're gullible and vulnerable to dangerous ideas. Mm-hmm make a safe make a safety bubble yeah. but like no, no one would acknowledge that about themselves right no one's going to say you know what I think I might be susceptible to the next bullshit thing someone tells me I need to form a safety bubble
0: it sounds like uh, what? I do the
4: opposite
2: because um, I think brains are pretty hackable yeah, uh, yeah I think like, I think if you hear them. something repeated um, I, it, there are um, I, I think the best book I've read on this is influence and in science and practice by Robert Cialdini which is a pretty old book cialdini um, But it talks about a lot of ways that human brains can be hacked and how uh, advertisers exploit these to make money, uh, which is how you know they're true. Um, But so, you know, I try to make an I I do the opposite of setting up an information bubble. I try to get information from a lot of different biased sources um, so that, you know, if you have because if you have people telling you conflicting things, then you're not just going to sleep on
0: it and just believe everything you're told because you can't. I make it a point to uh every month at least once or twice a month watch the conservative twins some video of theirs on YouTube because they're you know really charismatic and seem to be representing the people who are who are trumpers who think that Trump has a really good point and represents them and um I don't know like so, I
3: sorry uh since we uh, since that Scott Alexander post came out and the rationalists are officially now concerned about class, the technical terminology we should use is Trumpen proletariat. Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait, what is that?
5: Trumpen and...
3: Proletariat. Yeah.
5: Trumpin' pro- proletariat. Yes. Just yeah, right uh,
3: lumpin' lump proletariat with an L is a Marxist term for proletariat who aren't communists. Ah. Uh. Um... And we, uh, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I try to listen to them once or twice a month. And every now and then I'm like, oh, these guys have good points. But then I'm like, oh, my God, they just went off the crazy train. And I also try to watch at least one woke video a month. And uh, that also always really irritates me. But it's good to keep the two <laughs> things, you know, in, in can, consideration. Ooh, yeah,
2: and we... I think that's important, not because they are they have necessarily have good perspectives. So or they're giving you information you wouldn't otherwise get. I think it's just important to hear opposing viewpoints so you remember that they exist because if you don't then that i think your brain will get hacked i I think if you only ever hear one perspective on something you'll just kind of accept it as true
5: yeah there's the whole thing about bubbles too like your social bubble uh where you just tend to end up with a bunch of people with the same political views taste in movies like clothing
0: styles uh I do know there are some friends of mine though that if they saw like the conservative twins videos that I watch once or twice a month, they'd be like, "Dude, if they knew you watched them, yeah, you'd be are canceled. You? <laughs> I don't know if I would be canceled, but they're like, "Are you're you're going to be pulled into the alt right pipeline, dude? I'm worried about you. Like, this is this is brain contamination."
4: Yeah, it's like I I, I see the virtue of not merely like reading a Reddit thread on like. Are slash no stupid questions like what's up with QAnon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like actually getting like from people who actually believe it and who can articulate it in a not crazy way. Like mm-hmm. you, you told me about these guys before. I haven't seen any of their stuff, but
1: mm-hmm. um,
4: like if they're if they're they, they, they seem to represent the non crazy end of the spectrum. Uh, and so at
0: least one of them is on the crazy end. one of them is more t- but I mean that but, one foot on the other side of the line.
4: Uh-huh. The fact that they that they at least they have a, a diverse set of opinions among the two of them, then, right? Mm-hmm. So like uh I guess because if, if, if you if you only ever, you know, read about this on your leftist bubbles, you're gonna be like, oh, they're all obviously closet Nazis who hate minorities or whatever. And it's like, no, actually a lot of them are like your friendly neighbors who will help you change a tire and yeah. Um, yeah. oh you yeah, know, like, absolutely. And so like that's the thing is i I know at least two or three uh, Trump supporters and they're they're perfectly nice people yeah and so like and it, it how dare you say that? I know right <laughs> um, but like if if you if you only hear about stuff from your weird circle about how weird the enemy is, then like it just it, it pollutes everything yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I think the people telling you that you know listening to that will contaminate your brain understand that you know staying in a filter bubble is going to make you believe everything you hear in that bubble and they're they're trying to do that to you
5: that's what they want
2: yeah. they're they're upset that you're stepping out of the bubble because then it won't work
0: yeah yeah and, I, and that does seem to be the case because i don't buy their bullshit now either i'm like yeah
2: right well, what? It's exactly what they thought would happen
4: yep my main source of of right leaning news is saturday night live
0: Saturday Night yeah. Live is right-leaning?
4: No, but, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but I, I'm joking because it makes fun of everybody. Yeah, it yeah. does make fun of the right more, but maybe it's me being biased. I feel like there's more to make fun of there. and Imagine, so, The
2: joke there. was extra meta because it wasn't funny, just like Saturday Night Live. No!
4: <laughs> you know, most, most episodes of Saturday Night Live, I think when Tom Hanks was hosting one of the remote episodes, he was like, it's SNL. There's going to be a couple funny sketches, yeah. a few mad ones, and the rest will just be there. Like,
0: yeah, I, I actually have been really enjoying it recently. I saw a really great, um, I guess it was sort of a skit where they had someone impersonating that crazy new um, right wing lady senator. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Bobert. it was, what's that? Bobert. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was hilarious and I loved it. And then afterwards, I felt really bad for loving it because basically it was someone dressing up
4: like her and being,
0: her, I'm a dumb idiot. Look at how stupid I am. <laughs> Is it okay to laugh at that?
4: But they do the same thing. Like I just watched because they didn't have a new one last night because they're lazy and they worked five whole weeks in a row and I guess they're tired. So we, we put last year where John Mulaney was hosting and it opens up with a bunch of, um, it must've been during the presidential campaign. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, because so that's like, the
3: what? one with the elderly man contest bit.
4: Yeah. Well, it was one of those, but it was at the opening cut was like Elizabeth Warren uh, by Kate McKinnon. Uh, I think John Mulaney was doing uh, Joe Biden, uh, they had Pete Buttigieg and a couple of others, and then they had Larry David as Bernie Sanders, who does a perfect Bernie Sanders.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so I figured, like, as long as I'm making fun of everybody, I'm into it. Yeah. But the one that you're talking about was uh, a Weekend Update, yes, yes and it, was. it, w- it had um, uh, Cecily Strong playing what's her butt. Okay. And I thought it was hilarious. I thought um, so
0: too, but then I thought like, how is different you're taking notes? Cause you got a link to all of these, but like, how is this different from political blackface where you dress yourself up like someone that you want to make fun of because and they act they, like an idiot because they
4: do it both ways. They also on another weekend update in the last few months, they had two people on who were like, we need to start when, you know, the cancel culture is bad because it's not strong enough. we need to start canceling more people look <laughs> like this, this, this baby, but that's just true. This, this, <laughs> this baby cried when it was delivered by a black doctor. We need to cancel this baby. <laughs> so like if that it, was a good bit right yeah. so i mean i think that they're pretty even-handed in what they make fun of that's why that's exactly. why i brought it up as an example but yeah. right. I feel well, like well, if we go rep- any
2: further without talking about libertarianism david's going to explode i know i was oh, gonna right. say i that's... feel like we
4: spent the requisite 45 minutes on on sequences and digressions so the real purpose of this episode was last last episode i had said that i uh basically i don't i don't quite understand the steel man for libertarianism and or an, anarcho-capitalism nor can i articulate the difference and this is probably like now getting too broad, but my, uh, I, I pointed to the, the, the situation in Texas as it was two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And I was like, isn't this what you get when it's just businesses running shit without regulation?
0: Cause specifically Texas left the us power grid so they could avoid regulation, like having to winterize things. Cause they thought it was unnecessary and dumb. And then we had the Texas situation. And the question was like, is this not libertarianism and why not? Or why is it actually good or whatever? Yeah. David, I hope we haven't s- stacked no, things right. against you too let, badly, let, and <laughs> let the men talk. I'm yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. No. So, um, do you want me to talk about Texas now, or should we wait until the part of the outline where it says we're supposed to talk about Texas? I don't. Have an I think outline, it would really. be better to wait to talk about Texas until like we go through the basic
4: definitions and so on.
2: Uh, you know these Bayesian conspiracy types
4: don't read outlines. <laughs> I forgot you did have an outline that I'll I'll find really quick. So yeah, go ahead and take it in whatever order you wanted to cuz you're our honored guests.
0: As long as you promise this will lead to Texas.
3: Okay, so um I think it's a good idea to start out with just a basic definition of libertarianism. Um and the definition I like uh is one that Reason Magazine uses a lot, so I feel like it's a pretty mainstream definition within libertarianism. Uh, it's a, a belief that it is desirable to limit the size, scope, and spending of government. And obviously this ranges from uh, extremely moderate libertarians who think we should limit that a little to anarcho-capitalists who think we should limit it to zero. And... Uh, unless you guys object, uh, the definition of government that I'm working on is um, Max Weber's definition, which is a um, a geographically limited monopoly on the legitimate use of force. Uh, so there's just one group in a certain geographical area that is allowed to shoot people and other people won't complain too much and that That one organization is the
4: government. I I think that definition is too too narrow. And I also, like, a belief that it is desirable to limit the size, scope, and spending of government is, like, so innocuous a statement that it's impossible to challenge.
0: Well, isn't it also true of both the Democrats and the Republicans, too?
4: They just disagree on which
0: parts to limit
4: it right like so if i were to say i if i said i disagreed with that statement that it's desirable to limit the size scope and spending of government that like then then you could just say oh so you think the government should have cameras in your bedroom watching you have sex because that's you know that's not limiting them at all mm. like come on so, so a I, I think that's too weak a definition and b the, the 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 description of the monopoly on violence while i think that's part of government i would say like the other part of governments might be like this entity organization that I send money to and they make roads and put out fires for me.
2: Well, what that definition says to me is that it's directional. It's saying look at where we are, do yeah. we need more government or less government?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so like it's not it, coming it, from a
4: vacuum. Then
3: Yeah, so it, I it's the definition isn't that you think there should be if you're not a libertarian then you think there should be no limits at all. It's that you think it should be limited relative to, uh, the current
4: functions. Okay. Well, that, I, I can, then that caveat's part one enough for su- sufficiently for me.
0: I again think that like the Republicans want to limit the size and scope of government in relation to certain businesses, whereas the Democrats want to limit it, you know, for other businesses and both of them have their own social issues where they want to limit or expand the government. So yeah, I don't know.
5: Uh, is that usually the Democrats want to expand, uh, how much the government is involved or like just add more regulation.
4: I think that's what you hear, but then you hear like, well, I mean, the Democrats aren't saying what you can do with your uterus if you're pregnant, right? Um, Like the the Republicans are like, oh yeah, we want to stay out of your, out of your small businesses, but we want all up in your uterus. Right. So I I think that they both, they, they, you know, and I I guess I'm not even comparing it to either branch, but if I, if I compared it to government now, then I can at least say, okay, sure. If, if a libertarian says, look at, look at government, and we'll we'll figure out what that is here in a second. But then, <laughs> whatever I, that word means, as, as a libertarian, I think that it's desirable to limit the size, scope, and spending of that. I can I can follow what you're saying there at the very least. Yeah,
3: okay. yeah and, and I have to say there is uh, there has been a political coalition um, between Republicans and Libertarians, uh, or rather between the Republican Party and. Uh, libertarians for a couple of decades now. Uh, but that is something that a lot of Libertarians don't like, um, including me. And it's also very historically contingent and fairly recent. Um, so like Carter was an extremely Libertarian president, um, but he was a Democrat. And then uh, part of Reagan's strategy Uh, won over the libertarians, and then the Republican was the Republicans were pretty much just coasting on, uh, libertarian sympathies since Reagan. And I do think Trump did a lot of, uh, good for the libertarians by getting the assholes out of the room. Again, this is something we'll talk about later, but that coalition is something I would very much look to, uh, uh, see that breaking down fairly soon um, so just a, just a little advanced okay. prediction there but okay. yeah uh, definitely both parties have some upsides from a libertarian perspective and both parties have some downsides and definitely since Trump the Republicans have been diligently disavowing their upsides uh, so yeah if you just think of it in terms of like libertarians can basically be rounded off to Republicans, then you're definitely going to make some easily avoidable mistakes.
5: Totally. I've definitely heard, uh, some of my left wing friends le- really left, like characterize libertarians as conservatives. You just want to be able to smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I hate that so much. Yeah. yeah. I do too. It, I'm not friends with those people anymore. Uh, okay, so good.
0: Because Stephen- of that. So what about Stephen's proposition that uh, governments are also the uh, entity that we send money to to have roads and firefighters?
3: Uh, so is the operator of a toll road a government? No. Is a
4: private fire department a government? Uh, no. Okay. I, w- I would say that the... That the- In in my again, so what's awesome about this is that I'm coming from a position of basically zero knowledge. So
3: Yeah. um, Yeah. So like there are lots of entities to whom you give money in exchange for goods and services. The difference between those entities and the government is those entities are voluntary, where the worst thing they can do to you if you don't send the money is they stop giving you the goods or services. The government, however, if you stop giving them money, will have men with guns at your show up at your house and say, hey, we noticed you stopped giving us money. Please give us money. And if you refuse, they'll take you away and put you in a room. Unless you're really rich.
4: And I mean, like that's that's the I've heard it put that way before. And I think that I so I used to listen to a libertarian podcast like 10 or 12 years ago. And when he described it that way and, you know, he went on to say, uh you know, if you're, if you decide that you want to drive a little faster than the government says you can, then men with guns will come over and kidnap you and throw you in a room and lock the door. And it's like, okay, sure. If you characterize it that way, but like, I, I think that the, the, the response to that might be something like, sure, as, but you're, you're partaking in the society in which we've, we've funded the roads you're driving on. If you're running a business, the ro- the roads that you ship your goods on, um, the, we've, we've kept the water clean enough for you to drink that you're, you know, unless you're ordering all your water in, in bottles and showering with that or something, right? Like, or, or purifying your own water in some other way. Like, I think that the the argument is, look, we're giving you all this shit because you're part of the society and you're signed up to our electric grid. You're signed up to our water pipes. Um, pay your part. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like a union.
3: Sure. Uh, so let me ask you this. Let's say you are walking down the street And I come up to you, uh, put a gun to your head and say, uh, hey, give me 20 bucks and you give me 20 bucks. And then in return, I give you a half eaten sandwich. Uh, Would you say that's a voluntary
4: transaction or was that a transaction where I used force? I would say it's not a voluntary transaction, but I'm already prepared. to But you got something for it.
3: You got a sandwich. Right. But I didn't ask for a sandwich. And I didn't ask for a lot of things that the government does, like I didn't ask for a war in the Middle East, but okay. I still have to pay money to fund the war in the Middle East because I haven't been given a choice there.
4: Right. I, I was already what, challenges on weakness of analogy before I saw where you were going with it, but I because that that it, I don't know for me it doesn't quite feel the same. You know, so like if I came up to you and said, yeah, Give so me it doesn't it done. doesn't
3: quite feel the same because you've been mind whammied to normalize the normalize getting robbed every year so that you can fund a military to go off and bomb brown kids in Afghanistan.
4: It's possible that I've been mind whammied and we'll see if I become unmind whammied or, or otherwise by the end of the episode. But like, I think the analogy falls apart because I'm not just getting a half eaten sandwich. I'm also getting clean air, clean water. Um, you know, my, my neighbor isn't allowed to, uh, poison the ground near my house. Um, you know, like, I'm getting all sorts of protections and benefits in addition to this shitty sandwich.
3: Okay, so how
4: much of the government's budget do you think goes to those things? I don't know, and I don't know if if that makes a strong case to my position.
5: If you don't want to be depressed, don't look at how much the government spends on wars versus, like uh what was the uh, nasa like the space program <laughs> i think
3: yeah, so so let me uh, so let me uh, I, I will i will go ahead and let you know the uh epa has a very 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 small budget relative to the department of defense so with that in mind if you could get exactly the same amount of clean air clean water not your neighbor's not being able to poison stuff etc for like a fraction of the cost and also, the savings just means that the government bombs fewer brown kids. Then, wouldn't that is it? Do you consider that desirable? How do
4: I get that? Because I mean, obviously, that's yes, something right? we're going through in the Q and A. Right. So that, that's that's what I want to figure out. Is is okay. w- without without some giant entity with a stick ready to smack my neighbor in the face for uh, pouring? Okay. Uh, so, so, sorry.
3: Help. Um. So. Do, so real quick, do we agree on the definition of libertarianism? Because I have some more stuff I need to say before we get to whether or not libertarianism is desirable. We just right now we need to agree on what libertarianism is. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Libertarians okay. want to reduce how big the government is compared to the current day. Yep. Yep. Okay. It sounds. That sounds like a decent definition to me.
2: Yeah. So the yeah. so the question isn't, is libertarian desirable? It's how much libertarian is desirable, because I think everyone could probably think of something they want the government to stop doing.
4: Right. I, I think there's also that, like that.
3: That feels l- too much to me, like I'm trying to win the argument by just defining libertarianism as that good thing that everyone wants. Well, that's, uh, that's but, what I feel like you've done. I, I So, yeah, so. If I had to like give a narrower definition that's less like that, it would be um you want to limit the size scope and spending of government um and in at least one area, and there are no areas where you would want to expand it, but that's getting a little bit too narrow because so i would I would say. That, but also you can, like, cut up the domain. So, like, you could say I'm a libertarian on social issues, but not really on economic ones or something like that. Um, Sure. But anyway, uh,
4: so are we cool on those definitions? Cool enough to move forward for sure. Okay, cool. I I mean, Uh, we can also just, like, do that thing where we, you know, acknowledge that definitions are, are wuzzy and not necessarily valuable. You know, if we start talking about something that isn't, definition look it up in the dictionary libertarianism i'm fine with that all like, right like you know def- what is the the nice catchphrase definitions are uh like
2: the c- categories are made for man not yeah man for the no. categories
4: exactly right so i mean yeah,
0: yeah. i don't want to get hung up on a no true libertarianist right yeah. i don't want to get
4: yeah i don't want to get hung up on a no true scotsman or hold on let me look in the dictionary for that
3: yeah i'm, yeah. I'm good to move forward Okay, cool. Uh, So before we move forward, there is something that uh, happens a lot uh, when people are discussing libertarianism. In fact, I would dare say it has already happened at least once in this conversation. And that is uh, people will compare ideal governments uh, to real life markets. And yes, obviously, the real life markets do worse in that regard. Uh, also, for the benefit of those left libertarians listening, uh, we are talking about right libertarianism here. So, if I equiv- if, if I equivocate between markets and uh, libertarianism, then I was going to say I apologize, but I don't because I don't <laughs> respect you. Uh-
5: <laughs> Wait, can you explain that distinction?
3: Uh, so basically, left libertarianism, as far as I understand it, which is not very well, is the idea that uh, if we abolish governments and capitalism, then people will voluntarily organize themselves into ways that the particular left libertarian who's speaking currently finds desirable. Uh, okay. And uh, that so. Was my
0: impression you- of what like, libertarians are in general.
3: So that's true to an extent, but right libertarians have a much better theory about why it'll happen, especially because we're not so big on the abolish capitalism part.
0: Okay. Because I was going to say the abolish government and things will work out sounds a lot like old Marxism to me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, A lot of left libertarianism is just like uh, rehashing old-fashioned marxism so oh, okay.
0: well, i mean isn't that how anarcho um libertarianism works too like if we get rid of the government people will just naturally form companies and i think we've already proven that if we get rid of the government people will just naturally form a different government
3: that's not how i think about it it's how some anarcho-capitalists think about it but i think those anarcho-capitalists are dumb and
4: bad so
5: i would like to hear why
4: this is this is just at a, at a meta uh, level this is why i like avoiding like neat little labels for things libertarianism anarcho-capitalists democrat republican yeah.
5: because then, yeah.
4: then you've got all these associations and, and boxes you've got to check or don't check
5: you need to define like you need to name things though so you can talk about them
4: yeah i'd rather say like this is what i believe right okay like so but it would take a long time
5: yeah let's yeah.
0: get what david believes
4: yeah david is here to
0: tell us why we should libertari- be libertarians and i'm assuming he wants to be libertarians in the vein of him so let's find out what his
3: libertarianism is
4: but don't get me wrong jace makes a good point that I having to believe MPs that's what we've just been discussing on.
3: Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, so uh that's something you shouldn't do. Um don't compare ideal governments to real life markets. You should compare ideal government to ideal markets or real life government to real life markets. Uh and I have requested you all obtain bonking sticks so that you can be bonked uh if you start doing that. Um didn't we have an excellent example but, uh, once Stephen did yeah, that? Yeah, we don't uh, have video, so we're just going to work off the honor system for that. And yes, we did have an excellent example in chat, but I added it to the Q&A. So let's just move along so we can get to that part faster.
0: Very well. Okay. David, in slavish devotion to outlines, he's like some kind of outline statist. <laughs> I know, right?
3: <laughs> um, Yeah, so... um. Basically, the reason, so there are two reasons I think um, libertarianism is desirable and why you should be libertarians if you're not. Uh, The first one is uh, more pragmatic, which I realize for the um, consequentialists in our audience will be equivalent to morality, but (laughs) I have separated them out just for the benefit of the non-consequentialists. Uh, So essentially, I think that uh, the function of the law, and here I'm talking about the law as in like the thing that West messes with. Um, (laughs) uh, So the function of the law should be uh, essentially to maximize social efficiency, to make the pie, so to speak, as big as it can possibly be. And then if uh, that society, which maximizes the size of the pie, has any really catastrophic outcomes, like people starving to death or dying of easily preventable disease, then those can be handled through redistribution. Personally, I believe if we get to that maximally efficient society, then uh, there probably won't be. Uh, many things like that, because even if some people are left with crumbs, the pie will be so big that the crumbs will be uh, more than enough to give them a, an excellent standard of living.
0: Should the redistribution also be handled by the law? I'm not sure you clarified that.
3: Uh, no, so I I consider the law to be distinct from redistribution. So laws would be uh, things like uh regulation, minimum wages emission standards that sort of thing mm-hmm. um and then um redistribution is just simply taking money from one person and giving it to someone else um but so that
0: not be handled by the laws and the government or what uh, so th- th-
3: that's why I was making the distinction I was earlier between um, uh, with the law as the thing West messes with. Uh because like technically from like a civics perspective, the way that you would enact that redistribution is Congress passes a thing that we call a law, which says take money from this group and give it to that group. Um but uh I feel like from the a bad law and thing- economics perspective, which is where I'm coming at this from is like that is not, quote unquote, a law in the sense that it is something that law and economics is concerned about.
2: I feel like the bad thing you're referencing is what we tend to understand as regulation.
3: More or less, um, there are some things that I would consider law under this definition that aren't regulations um, colloquially. Uh, But yeah, if you want to think about it as regulation versus redistribution, then that's probably good enough for um, this uh, discussion. And uh, uh, I also want to say that we are far enough away from this maximally efficient legal code that I don't consider it worth quibbling over redistribution. Uh, So if we want to have a separate podcast about that at some point, I mean, we already kind of did with the UBI episode, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I don't, f- I don't like fighting about whether or not we should have redistribution, uh, cause it's, Is it your position is, is we should
2: have it if we need it, but we probably won't need it.
3: Yeah. And, um, we are far enough away from, uh, that position where we know whether or not we need it, that like, it's not really something you can have a different anticipated, uh, or yeah a different anticipated experience about right now um so yeah and also you know you sound like an asshole when you say we shouldn't have redistribution and mostly i think that's because poor people are horribly screwed over by the government and so they do actually need help that they wouldn't need if they weren't being so screwed over but like i said there's not really any difference in uh anticipated experience that we can have right now with the laws we do uh on that front
0: all right so we agree that redistribution if it is necessary is good and that the government will do it and we aren't talking about redistribution today
4: yeah perfect. Um, I one last clarifying question yes what, what what is the pie in this uh this the sales pitch the pie is all the
3: stuff that society makes um, so all, a, all of G. all of the goods and services which are produced by a society. OK, uh, and if you are skeptical that um, the uh, that any problems in this maximally efficient society can be addressed through redistribution. Well, there's this thing called the second welfare theorem, which says that, yes, they can be fixed through redistribution And the second welfare theorem, as you know from the word theorem in the name, is a homework land thing. But it's actually one of the homework land things that applies pretty well to reality. Uh, But the detailed explanation would make really bad radio. So unless one of my co-hosts really wants to get the explanation, then uh, we are probably best off just leaving it there.
5: There's enough to talk about that we
0: can table some things. I got a question about the pie. Okay.
1: Sure.
0: Like, I don't think the government is just about the pie, because to take an example that we talked about on the Mind Killer a few weeks ago, uh, when that cop ran over uh, a kid at the uh, at an intersection where a bunch of people were doing like donuts and drag racing and stuff. Sure. the major problem there was that there's a street intersection and the people who live near that street intersection want peace and quiet at midnight so they can sleep or whatever. And uh, a bunch of kids wanted to use that intersection for donuts and having fun and whatever. And they both, you know, want good things. One wants sleep. One wants fun. Those are both great. They can't both have them at the same time. And like the government was there to decide who could actually use that street corner for their thing. And they were trying to enforce the sleep and quiet one. And then, you know, things got messy, but like, I don't think that has anything to do with making a pie bigger. It's just how do we use this one street corner that we
2: only have one? Oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. Is it coast?
3: Uh, Yes, it is actually coast. (laughs) Uh, So essentially we have so we have a limited resource, a street corner. We only have one of them. The two uses we can put this to are peace and quiet so people can sleep and doing donuts. Uh, so we have one street corner that we can use to increase the size of the pie, uh, because both donuts and peace and quiet are things that go into the size of the pie. And so the question is who, uh, has more pie, uh, that they can make on the street corner, the kids or the people trying to sleep. And, uh, so the proper role for the government in that context is, or, Uh, for a private agency if we're talking about anarcho-capitalism is to uh, um, figure out who gets more pie by using the street corner the way they want it, uh, and then to uh, um, facilitate bargaining between the two parties so that whoever gets the most uh, use out of it uh, gets it, and if necessary, they may or may not have to compensate the um other people who have to forego their preferred use. I, so like I in, this, in the a- in the particular example, an ideal government uh or indeed a, a market with no transaction costs would have the kids and the people trying to sleep all gather at the street corner and uh individually bid on how much they want to do donuts slash have peace and quiet. And then whoever uh, enters the highest bid gets their preferred use. And um, if the property rights are allocated to the loser of the auction, then they uh, the money that they bid goes to the original owner of the property rights. And this is the thing that Wes was talking about. It's the Coase Theorem, uh, which states that um, for a transaction which has externalities... Uh, which in this case means like you are doing something and uh, you um, it affects other you're people. using it will affect other people. Then uh, if property rights are clearly allocated and transaction costs are low, then the um, the highest value activity will always be the one to take place. Uh, regardless of initial allocation of property rights, uh, the only thing that initial allocation will change is the final distribution of resources.
4: But without someone to like enforce that, uh, what did you call it? Like to mediate that that discussion, um, and it's just people what coming together and, and throwing money down. Um, like, wouldn't that just mean that if instead of it was a bunch of kids, it was Jeff Bezos who wanted to go into that <laughs> that that street corner and shoot guns in the air to make noise as much noise as possible, that he would just win de facto and fuck the poor people.
1: Well,
3: would- uh, so in this context, him quote unquote fucking the poor people means paying the poor people lots and lots of money in order for them to grant him uh, the right to shoot guns into
4: the air, which doesn't seem like a terrible outcome to me. All right, also- so Hold on. I'm, cu- I'm curious. Though, I, I guess I, I, I just, I, I heard you say the theorem, but it's still not clear to me. Why he would have to pay lots and lots of money?
3: Yeah, so the the like, prevailing the prevailing legal regime has uh, means that you cannot shoot guns into the air whenever you want. Um, and in an ideally Kosian framework, but with that same rule in place, the way that you get the right to shoot guns into the air is going around to everyone who uh, has a property right to you not shooting guns in the air and paying them until they agree to let you shoot guns into the air.
0: I don't think this actually addresses the real concern because the kids don't have the coordination or the money to rent out that street corner. Otherwise, they would have done it. And so instead, they're just going to go to a street corner where the property rights aren't being very well enforced until they find one
3: where they can do donuts and the cops show up. Yeah, and and, that- th- and that's why I said that we're talking about an ideally Kosian society and blah, blah, blah. Um, but like that was just for the purposes of demonstrating how, um, both peace and quiet and doing donuts go into the size of the pie in the context of the ideal role for a government being to maximize the size of the pie or rather for a law code, which doesn't necessarily have to come from a government.
0: Okay, I see. And in either system, either way, you're going to end up with a situation where the police got to show up due to realities on the ground. Probably.
2: Well, not okay. necessarily. The old lady could come out of her house and start yelling at the kids and the kids could say, hey, hey, uh, how about we toss you 50 bucks and you uh, look the other way?
5: I wish it worked that way. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: that, that kind of thing happens in real life all the time. Jace Those just are, said yeah. he wished it uh, worked
5: that way. Is Jace a libertarian? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am, but uh, <laughs> also just the last two apartments I've lived in have, just yesterday, there was this dude who was working on his car and he brought a concert sized speaker and put it on his front porch and then was just blasting bachata oh my god and it was rattling the windows of my building and i was just uh, isn't it
4: nice to be able to call the cops and say they're violating the noise ordinance can you tell them to shut the fuck up no because i don't do that did you (laughs)
3: go so so that is just yeah so that's one option the other op because the cop so basically, you uh, your social anxiety means you have foregone your property right to a quiet street corner because you're not willing to call the cops. And uh, so that means that the guy blasting the music has the property right. And so what you need to do is go out and give him a hundred bucks to fuck off. And then he takes it and he turns the volume up. Exactly. I, oh, I mean he the- wouldn't do that. I mean, then you punch him.
5: <laughs> I did actually have a... We had these like lousy, shitty teenage neighbors, or maybe twenty somethings, fucking teens, um, youths, <laughs> that were just blasting music and screaming and doing shots all night long. And it was like three a.m. And I, we, we tried to get like the uh, building security to come do something about them, but they were like, "Oh, well, we can't unless there's like documented proof." So we're videotaping them. <laughs> we're like, sure. Let me pick on, just... let me
4: put this on speakerphone, and you can hear it. Mm.
5: That was actually, I was on the phone and I was like, do you hear this? They were, they were howling like wolves. Like the more I was like trying to like, I, I tried to talk to them too. I was like, you know, open my window and I was like, hi, two people who work live here that are trying to sleep currently. Could you please be a good citizen and stop howling like wolves?
3: Well, and then they yeah, So The, the like problem, them. the <laughs> problem was you, your means of persuasion was asking if they're, they can be good citizens instead of throwing a hundred bucks out the window. Yeah, but do you really want to pay a hundred bucks every single night to get sleep? Uh, yeah. So then you need to, uh, actually enforce your property right to peace and quiet and get over your social anxiety. I did. So the the question, the question is, uh, the question is not, does Jace really want to pay a hundred bucks every night to get sleep? It's, does he want to pay a hundred bucks every night to get sleep more than he wants to call the cops and enforce his property rights to get sleep? So, uh,
5: in a lot of these cases, there's the whole thing of me being a white dude calling the cops on, like, poor Hispanic people, and I'm uncomfortable with that. Yeah, well, I think this
2: is actually a good and bargaining situation. So, like, imagine there were no cops, and anyone was allowed, they were just allowed to make that noise. Um... The idea would then be that, Jace, you go out and say, okay, well, I'll give you, you know, 50 bucks to, to be quiet tonight. Uh, or you can even say, hey, I'll give you 300 bucks to be quiet all month. Um, or you could go around to your neighbors and take up a collection and say, hey, I want to pay these guys to be quiet. Um, what what are you willing to uh, pitch
5: in? That I'm willing to sort. do. I don't know. Like, what, what has actually worked is, for example, there was whose car alarm went off every night and I fucking went around. And I videotaped the car going off and then I identified whose car it was. And I went to their door and showed them this video. It was like, hi, this wakes me up every night. This is your car, right? And then I I said, you know, like, I will help you disable this alarm.
4: With your cooperation or without it.
5: (laughs) With your cooperation or without your cooperation. Well, I was, so like there's escalating. I I like to do the the escalating level of threat where I got Mm -hmm. the Hispanic neighbors to be quieter by continually going up to their apartment, walking into the apartment, and looking them in the eye. (laughs) And, like, you know, you make people feel uncomfortable enough times, and then, like, they were usually willing to stop.
3: See, I don't have the cojones. Yeah, so so that's basically just cozy and bargaining. Yeah. Except Except instead of having a literal auction, you're just, like, uh, using social pressure instead of money.
0: I think a much more... (sighs) long-term solution that people would fall back on is eventually forming communities where to buy a property in the community you first sign this document uh, that says all of us will respect these quiet hours. And if you don't respect these quiet hours, we will hire a security service to come and, you know, force you to be quiet or something. And so you agree to
3: that. And to me that looks a lot like a government. Can I uh, yeah, uh that, that no that that's a way of reallocating property rights so that you can um lower the transaction costs, which is not something that um, enters into the basic Coase theorem, um, because that just assumes away the problem of property right allocation and transaction costs. But yeah, that is the sort of thing that empirical Coaseans write about all the time.
2: Uh, I I I also think that it'll be a lot easier to understand libertarian arguments if you understand that even the most hardcore anarcho-capitalist recognizes that in under the status quo the government provides valuable services it's just that they want those services provided by other entities than the government uh so you know anarcho capitalists and libertarians are are still very in favor of having enforcement mechanisms for these kinds of things um they just tend to be private companies rather than uh governments
5: yes you had something chase um actually uh, i'll drop it it was going back to the noise thing but okay like, what do I you want say to move th- along in this uh document here. what do you
0: say to people who yell pinkertons at you whenever
3: you mention security <laughs> companies rather than government i pay them 50 bucks to fuck off because the first amendment <laughs> that uh property rights are clearly allocated to them
4: yeah i, I kind of i guess want to let you keep going just so we can move past the second bullet point in this in this <laughs> doc but okay because i'm tempted to just keep bogging down in the weeds but you know uh, there will be time for blogging shortly, I imagine. I'll say all so, long. I hold my tongue. So uh,
3: any, que- any other questions about social efficiency and whether or not it's desirable?
4: No. For the sake of moving the discussion along, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh,
3: so basically, if you accept that principle, then uh, that means that um, the uh, transactions which should be acceptable by default to you are any voluntary transactions between consenting individuals, because if both parties consent to a transaction, that that means they are both made better off by the transaction. And so um, while there are some cases where voluntary transactions can lower social welfare, uh, for example, uh, if there are externalities like the parties that are keeping you up at night, they are voluntary between the person throwing the party and the people attending the party, but there are externalities so they might reduce social welfare. But uh, outside of a few um, uh, a few narrow exceptions like that, uh, there uh, if you agree that the best thing to do is maximize social efficiency, then you should allow, all voluntary transactions between consenting individuals outside
4: those constraints. You, you managed uh, to both make me praise you when you had said, of course, the caveat of externalities. And then you went on to say, barring those few narrow exceptions. I, I uh, like, so you, you had me at the first half. I'm like, oh, good. He's hitting externality problem. And then you're like, you dismissed it as these narrow exceptions that are like not a problem.
3: Well, so the, so... The reason why I say those narrow exceptions is because even if you just accept that and then you take a very, very, very broad reading of like what creates externalities um, and other things like if there's market power or uh, information asymmetries, then uh, that's probably enough to make you a libertarian. Because things like smoking weed in your own home or paying a sex worker to have sex with you, uh, unless you like think that there's some really important like moral fabric of society externality or something like that, then those don't really fall into the. Um, they don't really fall into any of those exceptions, but those are voluntary transactions that the government bans. Sure. So at like, least what I've, I've with got respect to those. That is enough to make you a, a libertarian on the definition we're using.
4: Okay. Well, like I'm thinking like, you know, my, my HOA community, I don't yeah. think it's in our bylaws because it's in the government bylaws. But if, if, if we were just operating within the, like, the confines of like personal, uh, what do we call them? Property areas, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like my HOA community decides, uh, among other things, yeah, you know, when you change the oil in your car, you can just dump it in the gutter because it flows down the street to the next neighborhood. And we don't we don't care about them. Uh, and it's expensive sure. to dispose of properly, so fuck them. Like, it's our rules that we were okay with dumping our, our oil and name everything else that shitty that comes out of your house. Um, we're okay with dumping it because it goes down the street. Like, that's okay. an externality. And dismissing that sounds like... It sounds like pretending that that wouldn't happen. Like, that's not a problem.
3: Yeah, so I'm not dismissing it, but that's also a pretty easy externality to handle. Because remember, externalities get uh, internalized... If property rights are clearly allocated and transaction costs are low and in the case of uh, that particular example, it the transaction costs are pretty low, like you just follow the gutter until you find the place that the oil seems to be coming from and then bang on the door of whoever's house is next to the gutter at that point.
4: Um, obviously right. so our, our gated um, community is let's let's say it's gated with 40 foot high walls and we've got guards i guess i mean i and I know, and this is where i tried to not get bogged down and if this is going to bog us down just say we'll get to that later but i'm just curious like how this doesn't just like you know totally fuck people without power i know the the idea is that if you imagine the perfect spherical economist in a vacuum everyone has power sure and the community can get you know me and my 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 poor cohorts can get together and go bang on these walls but they can just—they can safely ignore us. Uh, yeah. So if it's gonna get us too so, far afield—that's fine. But
3: uh, Inyash Jace, I need you to uh, bonk Steven because he just <laughs> did the uh, bonkable offense. Uh, so yes, it's true that uh, under some set of circumstances, you can conceive of a society where uh, rich people or otherwise powerful people can fuck over poor people. But for libertarianism to be desirable, it doesn't need to outperform every single possible scenario. It just needs to outperform the government. And if you're positing a group of people who are so powerful, whether it be through wealth or political connections or whatever, that they can just like dump oil wherever they want and get away with it, then you're probably going to have a problem with that group of people no matter how you organize society.
0: I think the uh, counter example to Stephen's point would be like, we have an American government, and we also have how they have historically treated the American Indians, which is very much how you're describing how the gated community treats their neighbors, where they have all the power. So the neighbors or the American Indians, in this case, get shat on and wiped out or whatever. Because exactly. Been-
4: okay, so I I will receive my bonk. And I will, I will say out loud, you're right. I, I was comparing an idealized version of this. I wasn't Rather than just does better than what we have. Okay, that that I appreciate you pointing that out.
1: You're welcome. I'm I'm
5: for things to bonk Stephen with because we didn't have a bonking stick, and I was just like, "There's a problem. I told what?
3: you to get a bonking stick.
4: Uh, he, he has been metaphysically bonked. That's that's okay. the best kind. Of bonk. And I appreciated this kind of bonk because it <laughs> came without without a bonk. So all right. Where, I was I read,
1: also like
5: when I saw on pain of bonking, I was like, <laughs> uh, I. I so, okay that probably doesn't mean what i'm reading it as
1: <laughs>
2: <then>. <laughs> no
4: no that's boinking. Like <laughs> yeah, boinking yeah it looks like boinking if you if the font is small <laughs> all right no okay. that's great i appreciate you pointing that out i i i we should have we should have put it on a whiteboard and stuck it to the wall that says this just has to do better than now This doesn't yeah, have to yes. be perfect okay all right
5: so yeah. how about second welfare
3: theorem
0: um nope. that's one that takes an hour right
3: Yeah, uh, it's not that it takes super long. It's just easier to explain if you draw a graph. Uh, If you're really curious, you can uh, Google Edgeworth box, uh, E-D-G-E-W-O-R-T-A space (laughs) B-O-X. And that's like a graphical representation of the second welfare theorem. It's also something that a uh, buddy of mine did his dissertation on. Um so if you really want to do a deep dive into uh the second welfare theorem, we can have John on. Um but uh yeah. Um so what about
5: trying to understand else this were fucking gonna talk picture. about next?
3: Yeah. So uh that's basically the pragmatic case. Uh, just if you uh, buy that you're maximizing social wel- uh, welfare, then um you should at least allow all voluntary transaction or you should allow all voluntary transactions unless you have some reason not to. And that's sufficient to make someone a libertarian with the system we currently have. Um, so there's also some other moral arguments uh, that aren't consequentialist. Uh, and wait, wait, these- wait, 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 wait. Yep. Let's, let's uh,
0: step back a second. Okay. I I know a lot of people who would say, yes, I basically agree that we should allow all voluntary uh, exchanges, except for some very small minority that we might have to object for some reason. And yet those people do not consider themselves libertarians. Why not?
3: Uh, Probably because libertarians have chronically bad PR. I would consider them a libertarian, though. Really? Or they might object to moral
0: grounds. That's all it takes. Just that most transactions most voluntary transactions should not be interfered with.
5: I mean, uh, I could think of,
0: I think people saying that have not thought out
2: the implications of that statement.
3: Yeah. That- <laughs> Almost
2: all transactions are interfered with in some way in our society.
3: Yes. You- uh, if you, if so, I could uh, elaborate on that, but it's much better if you just go to the crime a day, Twitter, uh, and just, scroll on that page or on that feed until you're convinced. Well I'm
0: interested in like what Wes thinks are the every single transaction is interfered with in some way stuff. Well for one Yeah. Also I, I go totally to, go, go, to the the
3: Twitter, <laughs> go to the crime a day Twitter. Go to the crime a day Twitter and it. scroll on that until I, you're convinced that there's a law about just about everything.
4: Yeah. Okay. I I, I think I see what you're saying. So, like uh,
5: there's a bunch of numbers and symbols something 50 cfr something da 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 make it a federal crime to hunt striped skunk in the big stone national wildlife refuge anytime other than one half hour before legal sunrise until legal sunset from september 1st through the last day of february
3: yes Uh, okay (laughs) but i I, make it a crime to sell bunk beds without a permanent label stating the name and address of the bunk bed maker damn you you can name literally any noun, and I will do a search on this feed, and there will be some stupid law about it. Uh, okay. Or any noun that describes like a real life thing and not something fictional or otherwise complete nonsense. I guess one um, of the things
0: that annoys us right now is that we cannot get stem cells injected into us in the U.S. if we want to pay someone to do that. Yes,
5: we're just talking about that. Yes, we were. Oh, were you get go- they were there too, though. That- I'm not sure if.
0: Oh, oh I, I don't went. think we were recording at the time. Yeah.
4: All right. So I think the, the the moral position is. I think I'm already sold on this. I was sold on it when I read John Stuart Mill's On Liberty. Uh, That's a good place to start. I, I I think so. I think it might have coined libertarianism. But the the, the sentence uh, the moral not, framework not is quite. But um, yeah, he was definitely very very early on there right on yeah i mean the the framework is essentially my freedom to swing my fist ends where your face begins yes that's at the tip of your nose right i can do whatever i want as long as i'm not impacting somebody else and now what does it mean to impact somebody i think that's where people get get fuzzy in the head but to me it's like uh okay um am i impacting my neighbor by like you said hiring a sex worker to consensually have sex with me um i'm only impacting them insofar as they have a like some objection to me doing whatever I want with my free time or am I impacting my, my society by taking LSD at home? Right? No. Yeah. I would say.
3: Yeah. Um, and I- and th- like there, like I said, you'd need to have like some sort of basic sanity check on how you're defining externalities. Um, because like you could say that like me selling you my watch could hurt someone because, at some point, someone might ask me the time. And <laughs> if I sell you my watch, then I won't be able to tell them. And so do you need to compensate that person as well for the, like, two cents that it takes them, that they're costed by not knowing the time until they find someone else who does have a watch? I, no. And, like, obviously not. And so that's that really just gets down to the difference between... um homework land and real life like you're you're allowed to have some element of common sense here uh and if there are any like genuinely hard problems to that effect where it's not obvious that uh some person is just being silly uh in the hypothetical i have yet to encounter it Uh, uh... and if there is a genuinely hard case like that then just have a bidding war. Cause that's literally what bidding wars are for, for figuring out who values something more than someone else.
5: Uh, could I, for the sake of the conversation, even though I think I, I think I could imagine already like, the answer to this, but, uh, how does libertarianism, uh, take into account, you know, people making irrational decisions, uh, with regard to like, I don't know, without regulation, uh, You'll end up with lots of people, you know, making shit products that aren't safe and driving their shit cars around that'll be exploding. And if I care about safety, then what am I supposed to do?
3: Uh, So you did not quite make a comparison there, so I won't require a bonk, Mm -hmm. but... um, The way that I address that concern is by asking when is someone more likely to make an irrational decision when they are making a decision about how they want to spend their money for goods and services that they will consume directly or when they are making a decision about whom to vote for, which may or may not have an impact on how their state's electors vote, which may or may not have an impact on who actually ends up in office, which may or may not have an impact on whether whatever laws we want passed actually get passed.
5: Uh, I, people make shit decisions with, I mean, or the, the whole thing about like people buying snake oil, I guess which again is the reason that I kind of already addressed it in my head because there's even that, like I think Eliezer wrote the whole thing about the band, the band, band item shop. story yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is yeah. sort of, you just have to accept the externalities because they, the benefits outweigh the, yeah,
3: yeah a lot of it comes down yeah. to it. Yeah. Easy. So, you yeah, so yeah. And like, It's not just that people are allowed to make bad decisions. It's that people are more likely to make bad decisions in the voting booth than they are in the marketplace. So trying to ban bad decisions uh, by government fiat has the problem of people need to we need to have a way to decide who gets to decide what's a bad decision and ban it. And the current system we have for doing that is elections and that got Donald Trump elected. And so if you grant the government a general power to ban bad decisions, then whenever someone like Trump gets elected, which empirically happens around uh once every 200 years or so, then you end up with things like masks getting banned during a pandemic. Uh, well,
0: I agree with you. Um I think that's a losing case to make to the general populace. People are going to see, you know, um, their little old grandma killed by snake oil guy who doesn't give a fuck, and they're going to want to make a law against that. And in no amount of saying people are allowed to make bad decisions because they should be the ones who get to decide if the decision is good or bad is going to stop someone for voting for that law?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, this I have is, to. Uh, this is a...
0: I have to go in about in a couple of minutes. Oh shit! Sure. Okay.
5: Okay. Um, if you want to say then.
2: Uh yeah well so I wanted to break in here because Ineash, I think you brought up you just brought up my biggest objection to um this idea of a government free society which is um and you mentioned uh, homeowners associations earlier which are part of this which is that I think if you di- if you don't have a government people will just make a government people uh really like preventing other people from doing things they love um, it they are addicted to are it they can't <laughs> stop doing it. And um, I just feel like in any any system where there isn't a government, people will just create one voluntarily and everyone will sign on to it. And you see this with homeowners associations that you have. There's these this area that's unregulated. And what what do people do? They get together, form an association and um, immediately take away people's choices about whether to join it or not. Uh, so I feel like that's, that's, that's sort of what I would expect in any kind of society that, that didn't have some kind of enforcement mechanism against governments.
4: Yeah, I could picture yeah, this on so. a small scale where, you know, it's me and, and a dozen people on an Island and together, or at least most of us decide that, Hey, look, the freshwater is you know coming from the stream on the top. Anyone caught taking a shit and it gets their, you know, gets beaten up. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's government small scale. And like, even if someone wants to make an irrational decision there and shit in the good water, like the, the, the government of the other 11 of us will have something to say about that. I that's right. I
2: don't think you're going to go pay him not to shit in the water. I think you're just going to go point a gun at him and say, don't shit in the water.
4: Right. I'm going to, I'm going to pay him with, with, you know, by not hitting him in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um.
2: And the other thing, the other thing I wanted to say is that when you do get to talking about anarcho capitalism, um, I had real trouble understanding what the concept was. Um, for a while and and I, and the way I was able to conceptualize it is that it's not really an absence of government. It's a series of subscription governments, um, that are all operating in the same area and that you can choose which one you want to subscribe to.
3: Yeah. So that is why I brought up the, um, Max Planck definition of government because anarcho-capitalism as I conceive of it and as Wes understands it as well, uh, is, it is anarchic in the Planck sense that there isn't a geographically localized monopoly, uh, but a lot of the things that governments currently do would end up happening under uh, anarcho capitalism.
2: Yeah, and if you want to see a really cool, creative take on this, uh, I recommend To Like the Lightning" by Ada Palmer.
0: Oh, so good! Quite. Yeah. All right, uh,
2: so I got to run, guys. Um, all right, Wes, but, uh, I'm
0: so sorry that I gave you the wrong time. No, it's and fine.
2: More. <laughs> it's fine you guys uh i feel like five was uh too many for this
4: anyway i kind of agree <laughs> I think, I think five in a room where we could see who wanted to talk next would worked, but uh yeah maybe
2: yeah. All, all right next time but we'll uh i'm i'm sure the rest of this will be awesome Perfect. Perfect. all right see you guys later Thanks, okay bye.
3: Right. bye yeah so uh also uh homeo- homeowners associations our government's Uh, They're just governments where emigration is very, very cheap and easy, so um, they are, like, the least objectionable form of government, and uh, if we ended up with a society with governments where the right of exit was as cheap and easy as it is with most homeowners associations, I'd be pretty okay with that as a compromise uh and then before that we were talking about something else and i can't remember what
0: well i think we've we've basically laid down that libertarianism is uh if you or the foundation was that uh if you accept that um voluntary transactions should except for extreme outliers always be acceptable and uh that's libertarianism that brings us to didn't that turn texas into a meat
3: locker uh not quite because I also have some moral arguments that are some non-pragmatic moral arguments that I want to go over real quick. Uh, and these ones are important because uh, the fonder someone is of these arguments, the worse a libertarian they tend to be. Uh, not in the sense of being less dedicated to the principles of limiting this high scope and spending of government, but just they tend to be shittier human beings. <laughs> um so uh I do think it's important to talk about these and why they are bad and uh the extent to which they can be redeemed how. Um oh, yeah. take it away. Okay. So the first one is everyone's favorite terrible argument for libertarianism, the non-aggression principle. Yay. Yeah. Uh so the non-aggression <laughs> principle is the principle that um Initiating force against another person is always and everywhere a bad thing to do. Uh, This is a a bad argument because it is trivially easy to come up with uh, cases where the consequences of rigorously following the non-aggression principle are very, very bad. Uh, So easy, in fact, that I'm pretty sure you guys could think of one without... um, stopping to think about it very long and indeed so easy that sometimes these events actually happen in real life.
4: Um, like I, I, generated one with a hypothetical a minute ago about the dozen people on an island. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. The, the person who's uh, sitting in our clean water hasn't, vi- hasn't committed violence against us first. They've just poisoned our drinking water.
3: Yes. Uh, my favorite is um, that uh, there's a meteor headed towards earth And it will wipe out all of humanity. Uh, And Mortimer Snodgrass has a space laser that we can use to destroy the meteor or deflect it. Uh, But Mortimer Snodgrass is a crotchety old misanthropic man who doesn't care about other people and won't live very long himself anyway. So he refuses to let us use his space laser. And the morally correct thing to do is obviously to punch Mortimer in the mouth and use the space laser anyway. And then if you're like super dedicated, then you can maybe throw him 50 bucks afterwards to compensate for the space laser ammunition.
4: There's a great moment like that, actually, on Santa Clarita Diet. She wants into the basement of this building, and she's like, hold on, let me go to the ATM first, because the guard won't let her in. And he's like, what is this, a bribe? And she's like, no, it's for your nose. And then she hits him in the face and throws 300 bucks at him. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
3: Um, Yeah. uh, So this is a very bad argument if you take it as a deontological principle. Uh, but I do uh, think that the non-aggression presumption, which is that you should presume against aggression except in cases where um, where it's obviously uh, catastrophically has catastrophically bad consequences, is a much better alternative. Um, so I am a virtuous, so I am allowed to think about both. Uh, high-level principles, and immediate consequences. So I generally like a cost-to-benefit ratio of around 2 to 3 to justify um, uh, aggression. Uh, But if you are a strict consequentialist, then you can just use it as a tiebreaker. Or if you uh, are a less consequentialist virtuous than I am, then you can ask for a higher cost-benefit ratio. Uh, that just comes down to personal moral preferences
0: okay
5: and by virtuous do you mean virtue ethics
3: yes and uh, by virtue ethics I mean uh, there are several factors that uh, contribute to moral decision making um, which is intermediate between like the super hardcore consequentialist or Kantian there is only one thing that you should consider Versus the, like, uh, biblical deontology of, like, there are these thousand and some rules that you need to follow in all situations. Yeah. And uh, personally, I like the classical seven of uh, faith, hope, love, courage, uh, prudence, temperance, and justice. But, you know. But those are things we can get
0: into on our Virtuous Ethics podcast
5: you and Wes could argue about hedonism if you haven't done that already <laughs> uh, mind killers or whatever
3: yeah no I I don't want to argue with Wes about moral philosophy because his moral philosophy is super half-baked and now that he's gone I can say that without getting any pushback eat my <laughs> ass Wes <laughs> so he can find
0: good ways to justify it even if they aren't actual good arguments yep <laughs> it's really hard to debate with it's fun okay. anyway. next, next
4: time we'll debate with Wes on something I'm not Uh, saying
0: he's wrong, but I'm saying he has an unfair advantage even when he is wrong.
4: I think the virtue ethicist has an easy answer. Enjoy a bit of hedonism. Not so much that it ruins your life, but not not so little that it ruins your life. Exactly. All right. Sounds like
0: consequentialism to me, but okay.
4: (laughs) It's personal consequence. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
4: All right. So bad argument two. We've got ethical egoism.
1: Yeah.
3: So this is basically just the fuck you got mine uh, argument. Uh, that I think uh, Steven has been worried about this whole time. And uh, it is a bad argument because it's really, really bad PR. And there's no other reasons why it's a bad argument at all. Um, That sounds like bad PR just admitting it. Wait, can you explain that? Yeah, no, that's a joke. Oh, (laughs) okay. It's an obviously bad argument for a lot of reasons. And it's so obviously bad that I can goof on it being bad by saying the only reason it's bad is because it'll upset people when it's actually bad for a lot of obvious reasons.
0: I mean, the fact that a lot of people don't realize that makes it not quite as obvious as you're saying, in my opinion.
3: Okay, well, sorry. It was a joke. Get off my ass.
0: Okay. you, you Your joke sins are forgiven.
3: Okay.
5: okay. I'll get all the way off that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, the uh, better alternative to the don't tread on me argument is the don't tread on anyone argument. Uh, so politicians basically want two things. They want money and they want votes. And in America, uh, the middle class is the biggest class and the upper class is predictably the richest class. So uh, when... Uh, governments are making decisions, they tend to favor the preferences of the middle and upper class, Uh, and so poor people get screwed. And this is why you get things like corporate welfare, and uh, much less of things like actual welfare for actual poor people. Um, And uh, there's also just, like, the basic logic of um, special interest politics where, um, Uh, Essentially, it's easier to get a law passed getting you a special handout than it is to repeal a whole bunch of laws, none of which, no one of which causes you a lot of problems, but all of which together cause you a lot of problems. And I actually listened to a really interesting podcast episode recently about this. Uh, So if you want to do a quick digression on that, then we can. I mean, we're pushing two hours as it is, so. I yeah, and fun. we're not even yeah. halfway through the uh, <laughs> okay. outline, but what what do you say?
5: Uh, we could make it two-parter,
3: if you feel like coming back for the second yeah. half. I would love to come back for the second half.
4: Yeah, I mean, we got to keep, I'm not, I, I want to, we're not wrapping up right yet. No, no. Good, no. yeah, then let's keep rolling. We'll figure out where to, where to press pause. Also, like,
3: I I literally have nothing to do for another four hours or so. So if you guys just want to, like, make a super long episode, I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) I don't think I could handle that. Plus, I do got to go out and do some
3: chores. Okay. All right. Then uh, do you want to cut it after or uh, before we get to the Q&A? No. The whole point of this was to find out why Texas isn't
0: libertarianism land. Well, we we need need to... uh,
4: Press pause.
3: Yeah, well, we need to um, uh, we need to uh keep the audience engagement. We need to get them to come back for part two.
4: This is what happens like when you stick to outlines, man. Yeah, All right, yeah. well, Let's let's, okay. let's go past the moral arguments then
1: for
3: okay. now. Well, uh, so real quick, um, because uh, this is the basing conspiracy, and we never say no to a good uh, um, what call it, um, uh, tangent. And this is actually a really cool story. So in case you didn't notice, uh, alcohol sales laws in America are really fucked up and they tend to be fucked up at the state level. So there's a lot of fuckery, uh, instead of just like one big pile of fuckery. Um, and, uh, I mean, yes, everyone can. Um, so, like, uh, in my home state of South Carolina, liquor stores need to have a big red dot on the frontage. Why? I don't know. Because someone said so. Um, but, yeah. So, letter. Th- yeah, so um, the uh, one of the. Weird things about our system is we have a three-tiered system, where uh, the producers, wholesalers, and retailers of alcohol cannot be the same legal entity. Huh. And so this has led to a lot of rent-seeking getting built up, where things like, um, like the reason you can't make it, you couldn't get a to-go cocktail before the pandemic, uh, was because. Whenever someone tried, then the liquor stores would panic and get a law passed banning it. And just in general, they're they've like been trying to eat each other's lunches, uh, which normally that would be prevented by vertical in a, in a bleh, vertical integration where one company owns the entire supply chain. Um, Can we talk about breweries in New Jersey? Uh, yeah, once we finish this story. Um, so normally uh, you would just vertically integrate and that would deal with this uh, infighting issue. Um, uh, but uh, because of this federally mandated three-tiered system, that doesn't happen with liquor. Um, but then the pandemic rolled around and that provided a shelling point for... Um, Uh, all of these various uh, lobbying groups for alcohol companies to all coordinate and get rid of a whole bunch of these regulations all at once. And pretty much everyone involved is much happier now than they were before the pandemic because they have gotten rid of a bunch of these bullshit laws. Um, uh, But before they um, each found it in their individual interest to just try to get Um, regulations favoring them passed rather than trying to get rid of a bunch of them all at once. And, uh, um, so anyway, all that is to say, uh, that the government hurts everyone and it hurts some people less than others, but probably you are getting hurt by the government quite badly in ways you don't even entirely realize And so, uh, the better alternative to the, uh, don't tread on me argument is don't tread on anyone, because everyone is getting trod on, including breweries in New Jersey. Jace?
5: (laughs) Nice. Uh, there's this thing in New Jersey and possibly other places where breweries are, I don't know, I don't know if it's to do with they don't want them competing with bars, or bars don't want them competing with them, or what the hell, but you can only have a brewery if it's ca- like categorized and markets itself as like a educational experience where <laughs> you, start, you have a mandatory tour of the brewery that you have to, you have to take the tour and then you can have a tasting afterwards.
1: <laughs> but the
5: breweries that I went into, I, I I don't know, someone described it and they're like, Oh yeah, I did a brewery tour. You got to see the stills and stuff. And I, I like built it up in my head as, Oh cool. Like, I, I wonder if you like go in there and you're like, you can make your own beer and you can like pick out which hops you want and they tell you about the history of the No, they're like I went in and they're like, Hey guys, come this way, sign this waiver, here's our stills over here, here's the other stills, here's the shit that we put in the stills, okay, go drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sign this other waiver first. Nice. I was just like, Oh man, I, I wanted the tour. <laughs> can libertarianism solve this problem
3: yes it can because if you get rid of that stupid law that requires the tour then you can actually distinguish between the breweries that actually do give you an educational experience and the ones that just have to say they do to get Uncle Sam off their backs
5: also the uh, don't tread on anyone have you seen the ridiculous uh, redraws of the don't tread on me flag yes you tread on me daddy
3: the, the no step on snack ones yeah <laughs> i
4: like i like that one but i i like the like please tread on me daddy ones too i,
5: I like the most minimal one where it was a squiggly line and the word don't <laughs>
4: <laughs> so i mean
5: should make you merch for that if anyone if people haven't made a flag like just lots yeah. of snakes uh, can, don't tread on any of us my, yeah. my own
3: like, real conventionally quick. um conventionally don't tread on anyone comes on a yellow background beneath a hedgehog which is the animal of the libertarian party and also just a generally good uh symbolic representation for a lot of
4: reasons and a good Um, animal
1: yeah
3: yeah
4: yeah Um, yeah my, my my one sentence example of government being annoying with business regulation like that is car dealerships at least in colorado aren't open on sundays because of the law Yep. And I thought it was insane because unless you wanted to skip work, it means that you have to do all your car shopping on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a car since 2013. I don't even think that was the case in 2013, but I was in school and I guess my schedule was more flexible. But when I was buying a car last year, it was annoying. Um, so I guess the, the don't tread on... There's so many things I I feel like we need to hit. Like don't tread on anyone is is a great motto to live by, but as soon as it becomes very profitable to tread on one group of people, people might be inclined to do it, Right. You used the example of the american indians earlier like uh it, when it became very profitable and easy to say hey get out of here or we're going to kill you or we, you know we'll kill enough of you to scare the rest of you out of here um people just did it it you know like uh,
3: so so, so, so people people Hold just on. did it people but, just
4: did it but they didn't do it
3: because it was profitable like it took a long freaking time before uh america's having um uh colonized the uh, Western United States actually turned a profit in any accounting sense. They did it because of Manifest Destiny. And because um, Theodore Roosevelt uh, thought that it would make his pee feel good. And so, he was right. And it like, wasn't the, just Roosevelt. It was also like Taft and some other people
4: involved. Does, does, uh, the, yes. does the don't tread on anyone kind of motto require like that all libertarians be basically, like, rational altruists?
3: Uh, no, because treading on other people is very rarely profitable. Um, this is not something that was in the Q&A, but it should have been. Uh, just generally, um, if uh, it, it, people are more, will spend more resources to defend things that are theirs uh, than they will to take things from others, uh, and this is true for both, like um, uh, both rational strategic reasons and irrational emotional reasons. And so that means that stealing from other people is almost never profitable. Uh, if you just have like arbitrary amounts of money that you're willing to throw at stealing from someone, then sure, it'll cause problems eventually. But that's another one of those circumstances where. Like, if you have people that are that powerful and that determined to screw over other people, then it's going to cause you problems no matter how you organize society.
0: I think the prevalence of people stealing from other people kind of um, disproves the stealing is almost never profitable thing. Like, this is a thing that happens a lot. Especially uh, if you so, subscribe to the
4: taxation is theft idea.
3: So, it, so. It happens because there are economies of scale with respect to stealing, At, le- at certainly with um, governmental stealing, uh, because like the government already has a big military lying around, so they might as well use it for something. Uh, and taking stuff from other people seems like a fine use of that military. But if you don't have a military lying around, then... You know, you need to get a military together before you take stuff, and
4: that's the expensive part. And if you don't have one lying around, then your neighbor who does might just take your stuff. That is the admittedly hard problem. <laughs> <laughs> at least we can at least we can flag it as a hard problem. Yes. Um, so
3: so national defense is one of the big things that anarcho capitalists don't really have a good response to, and I admit that
4: uh, it's it is a hard problem. All right. Um, I got, I got- Two questions that are probably related before we dive into the Texas thing, and maybe that's okay. We have. So, like, we we've got the standard, uh, um, uh, allegory, parable, parable of the of the fishermen at the pond, right, or at the lake, where there's there's a hundred fishermen or fish fish. You know, you know the story, the fish factory. There's ten. There's a hundred of them around it. It's they're all polluting the water like crazy to get all as many fish as they can. They all agree to buy a three hundred dollar filter that costs three hundred dollars a month to maintain and they're all doing great the water stays clean uh jeff the dick the dick uh holdout decides you know what i'm not gonna waste the 300 bucks and they're making 999 999 a month and everyone else is basically doing the exact same except they're all paying for the filter and then not paying for the filter catches on because they're all saving money and then they're all worse off because the the fish are all dying so yeah. like there's so- that Plus, like the, the holdout problem you know like if if those, if those teenagers wanted to go around and pay the neighbors to make noise on that intersection, like, all it takes is one person saying, fuck you. I don't care what you're offering me.
0: Another Mortimer Snodgrass.
4: Right. But, like, all it takes is one person to say, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to do this. Uh, Scott Alexander uses the example of someone farming wasps in their backyard. Right. <laughs> like, uh, if, if I live in an HOA, we can say no wasps, no wasp farms allowed, but... If I have wasps. Because you're an asshole, right? But so, like, (laughs) I mean, famously, there was an old lady in a libertarian town that
0: loved bears, and so she fed bears on her property, and it was a huge problem for the rest of the
1: community.
4: It sounds like a problem. So, like, it just, I guess, how does the. So then, again, we've got the. We could say, all right, we'll pay you all $100 a month to not raise wasps, or we can all agree, 100% of us, to not do it, and then we'll sign a piece of paper saying that we won't do it, otherwise, we owe you $100. But, like, Getting, unanim- getting unanimous votes for everything down to the level of wasps sounds like impossible. So, so guess- that that is
3: getting deep into the weeds. And if you want to take a four-hour tangent for me to talk about mechanism design and pre-commitment, I am super down for that. But it sounds like I have more endurance on that front than you guys do.
5: I was sort of hoping we get to that general topic, but... <laughs>
3: okay.
4: I mean, there, uh, there has to be a not, so, so there has to be a not four hour version of defend. You don't have to defend it perfectly, but there has to be a not four hour version. Otherwise, I'm going to accuse you of Jordan distance. Peterson. Is okay, the, is,
3: uh, so the short version is um, uh, while there are so so like the way I would do it if I was like designing a mechanism for that is I would have everyone buy into, like, basically buy into a, uh, basically social insurance pool, where if, say, the filters cost $300, but not having them, uh, will get you $400 in profit, have everyone put $200 into the pool, and then at the end of whatever period the pool pays out evenly amongst all people who had filters... And then uh, if there are holdouts, then that gets back into the complicated area. But basically, there are ways around the problem, and um, they tend to fix, they fix- not be simple. But um, the, simple if, you, if you do want to read the work of the uh, woman who wr- literally wrote the book on this, uh, it is what Stone Cold Badass and first woman economics Nobel Prize winner Eleanor Ostrom did her prize-winning work on. Uh, it is well worth the read.
4: Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah, because I'm just thinking like then that just and then we'll we'll just push past it. But I'm thinking you got to pay somebody to inspect the the, the filters. So like they're going to get less than the 100 percent return unless the person's being paid by somebody else. You got to pay the accountant who's keeping track of all this shit. Like these people are going to lose money somewhere or it's coming from somewhere else. But all right, let, let's, let's do touch on Texas. Cause I'm curious, like, so this, this, this was in my, my night, na- my naivete. I was thinking, all right, well, look, they said regulation sucks and they went without it and they all got fucked. Right. Or at least yeah. many of them enough, plenty of them did. Right. The rich yeah. ones or the assholes got to fly out to Cancun, but, hmm. um, the, the rest of them who didn't have plane tickets ready to go to Cancun, uh, they got fucked. Right. Yes. So th- this seems like a great argument in favor of regulation. Saying, "Look, I don't care what you guys want to do. We're gonna we're gonna put in some minimum enforcements on what you're allowed to do as part of our society. That includes like the kind of shit you're allowed to burn to power your vehicles. That includes the amount of like minimum effort you have to put in into building your critical infrastructure, etc."
3: Yeah. So um, the big. Case against uh, blaming Texas's power failure on libertarianism is that their grid wasn't libertarian. It wasn't like it was a regulated cooperative with a whole bunch of stakeholders of whom consumers were only a small share. Uh, So in an ideal libertarian society, then you would just have a whole bunch of power companies competing And one could be like super duper robust and their customers would pay a lot for that, um, but they would almost never fail. And then you would have more lackluster or more lackadaisical companies. uh, And if their customers wanted to save money and deal with occasional brownouts and blackouts, then that's a choice they could make. Obviously, with cases like power, where you actually need to run physical power lines to every single house, it is more complicated than that. And uh, that is something I specifically want to address at length in the Q&A. But um, suffice it to say that Texas does not quite live up to the libertarian ideal, Uh, but... Uh, to some extent, that is a, um, uh, what you call it? Um, it's kind of no true Scotsmaning. Uh, so, the other thing I'll say is uh, if you do pass that sort of regulation, that every single, um, uh, especially if you pass it at the federal level, then you would need uh, everywhere. To be able to deal with hurricanes as well as um, Louisiana does and heat as well as Texas does and cold as well as Alaska does and so on. And um, it's better to just have a uh, to make those decisions as locally as possible so that uh, each individual customer are, are not individual customers because of the fixed cost problems, but uh, where as few numbers of customers as you can get away with are making decisions uh, for themselves about what risks they want to take in exchange for higher energy bills. And if you mandate Texas needs to have its grid hardened against these once-in-a-decade snowstorms, um, then that will lead to higher energy prices. And you are making a decision for the people who are paying those prices that they should be paying those prices when they might rather use that money to buy food or uh, put gas in their cars or do other things that they would prefer to paying higher energy prices. And so it's really easy to point at a specific bad thing that happened and then hit the do something button. But you need to remember that those sorts of things come with costs and you need to, and someone needs to pay those costs. And the best way for evaluating uh, those sorts of cost benefit uh, calculations is just by making, by allowing the people who are affected to make the decisions. And so that's why, uh, you would want, uh, those decisions made by actual Texans.
4: Okay. Yeah. I I follow, I think I follow everything you're saying. I think that like, uh, I mean, whether or not the average person that you ask would agree to this or not, they would, I think probably understand that they'd rather pay another $60 a year in energy bills than have a, Twenty percent chance of paying sixteen thousand dollars a week to warm their house, right? Um, sure. Over 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 any given decade. Like I, I sort of just assume that's the case, and the you know, and this this gets me to the, I think my solution with Texas that I gleaned from this conversation is that these people probably weren't given a choice because there weren't competing markets, and so what happened in Texas wasn't a libertarian fa- you know failure. This was just bad design, bad 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 organization. Oh.
0: Ba- Think that it couldn't be competing. Yeah, so you, so you could, um, could if if, you said this is like a thing that locally Texans should um, decide on. If fifty-one percent of Texans decide, you know what, we do want to winterize and we're willing to bear the costs, and they pass a regulation that says all the power has to be winterized. um, Is that acceptable in a libertarian version, since it was local decision and the majority decided to go with it?
3: That is certainly more acceptable uh, than the federal government saying all power grids need to be winterized. Um, uh, so the so the other um, big objection I have to uh, blaming Texas on libertarianism is that there like the reason why Texas could only experiment with different ways of providing power if it was an isolated energy island was because of federal regulations that they didn't want to follow. Uh, And those regulations weren't, like, simple common sense stuff. Texas was doing those anyway. Uh, It was, like, very specific things where Texas thought that they could do them better and cheaper. And in a lot of cases, they were right. But the government arbitrarily, the federal government arbitrarily decided if you want to experiment with that specific thing, then you can't be plugged into our power grid. And so like the liberty, the really simple marginal libertarian solution is just let people experiment with different ways of providing power without being completely cut off from all other grids in the country.
0: Well, if those other grids feel that that experimentation will put them at risk, don't they have the right to disassociate from Texas if they want to?
3: They do, but I'm pretty sure that no one was making that case. Like the 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 generally, power is generated locally, and the only reason you have a national grid is so that the entire thing doesn't blow up in the case of these local emergencies. Um, And if anyone has made the case that plugging, uh, that connecting Texas's grid with the rest of the country would present a serious environmental or safety risk to the rest of the country, I have not heard it. I think that, yeah. Although, if if I have, in fact, just not heard it, and that is true, then, of course, that's a decision that the rest of the country um,
4: is free to make. I think that's why, like, you know, and this will be you know future conversation fodder but i guess at the end of the day there's a reason this is a gigantic field of study that you can't sum up in 2 hours cuz like yes. there's a zillion nuances i mean you know if if 85% of my neighbors in Texas were like no fuck the you know paying an extra 11 dollars a year for uh safer electricity i want to spend that on whatever you said food and gas but i'm assuming more stupid things cuz it's 11 dollars i'm making numbers up but like should i just be fucked cuz all my neighbors are idiots like no, obviously I can just move out of Texas. Just get in your car and drive two thousand miles. But mm-hmm. that's not like that's not a real solution, right? <laughs> you could probably
0: so, also buy an emergency generator. Yeah,
4: yeah. I suppose if I had the, you know, but even that, like, I mean, I imagine that you can't run that inside, so it has to be outside, and then I've got to have that.
3: No, no you can run an
4: emergency generator inside. Really? Uh,
3: I have It depends. It depends on some of the details, but yeah.
4: I suppose yeah. If you if it vented outside, or if it ran on gas, then. Or if it ran on electricity ran and you had like ones. one of those Tesla powers, power, power banks, you know? Oh, okay. I uh, was about to say, it, it on, it's
0: kind of productive if it runs on electricity.
4: Yeah, you know, you just plug it into the wall and charge it. Then you, then you power your house with yeah. it. Yeah, um, they, uh, but
3: like, guess, they, they do have uh, electricity-powered electricity generators that are called
4: extension cords. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do I can put the Texas thing aside because that's this was not a good libertarian example and I knew it wasn't made the, a, the case. and real quick I do I do
3: want to I do want to say it isn't necessarily the case that um, lack of competition means it's not libertarian because you can have uh, natural monopolies where you don't have competition even in an ideally libertarian society um, so that that wasn't. Uh, it's not that if there's a monopoly, then it's not libertarianism. That would be left libertarianism or just blatant, no true Um It's more that uh, the particular monopoly we're talking about here uh, is, definitely has some um, government muckery in addition to just general monopoly problems.
0: I disagree that we can just set Texas aside because anybody who wants to score a point against libertarianism is going to point at Texas and say, see, look, this happened because they didn't have regulations requiring winterization. This is a big libertarianism fail. And just saying, well, yeah, that's what the people of Texas just chose is not, it's not a argument. Like people are going to still walk away from that seeing, yeah, okay, I won. That's a point against libertarianism. We shouldn't have it.
3: Yeah. I mean, so- If someone stubbornly ignores that some policies have costs, and that it's often very easy to just pay attention to the benefits of the policy and ignore the cost, then that person is just an idiot. And I don't care whether or not they think they scored points.
0: Well, okay, you can say that. But uh, in my experience, that is the majority of people. That's even where I was 10-15 years ago when I argued with my libertarian friends back then. I was like, yeah, sure, there's costs to some of these things, but it's worth it to have the regulation and save lives and maybe now I think
3: yeah so more nuanced, so, it, but, uh, so if they're, if they have actually done their homework and shown that they and like done a cost benefit calculation, then then we can have a discussion. but usually they just say, oh no, it's worth the cost and they just leave that as a baseless assertion yeah and but i i don't uh, care about refuting every single baseless assertion there's too many idiots out there making yeah. baseless assertions for me dead. to go around rebutting every single one of them well that's the problem cuz every single one of these people does have a vote and so the- and that and that's why we need an epistocracy to disenfranchise them <laughs> oh my god so so libertarian leads
0: directly to not everyone should have the right to vote which is going to be a huge problem in the us
3: uh my brand of libertarianism does yes because my brand of libertarianism is very unpopular despite being very good for pretty much everyone
0: that's i mean that's not very good though to be very good you have to deal with the realities on the ground including everybody wants a vote
5: yeah regardless of how good it is you still have to be able to sell it but that was that, that was the joke i was about to make which is like david how do we like how does libertarian? how do we use libertarianism to stop people from making stupid arguments against libertarianism? You don't understand libertarianism. <laughs> no. it's like- yeah. Well,
3: PR is not my department.
5: Nope. <laughs> the answer is we hire a really good PR person.
3: Mm, that's Maybe.
5: hard. Or several. But-
3: uh, so I also want to talk real quick about the uh, follow up from Inyash. Yes. Um, uh about people receiving massive electric bills because this is also a uh very good point and this is something where libertarians can actually have some more traction uh without needing to completely overhaul the way the entire country does power generation okay
0: so so i understand this is that uh people could get uh, lower rates if they went with a variable variable rate contract that said, you know, you're charged more or less depending on what the power demand is. And for the most part, they save money all the time in in the aggregate. But then this happened and some people got bills for tens of thousands of dollars or at least over $10,000. And technically that's on the up and up. The demand went really high. The supply went really low. Everything checked out. But like, that seems really wrong to most people that like, you can just get hit with this bill for
4: well especially when you didn't yeah, enter so, into a contract like uh other, again other than deciding you're going to get in your car and drive 2000 miles like you, you didn't you didn't get a choice
0: no there were other options yeah, you could so, have into a contract too
4: yeah so this this is something that a lot of
3: people object to and i just straight up do not understand it like basically what we have here is a decision between a constant cost or basically playing double or nothing and these people lost and for some reason people are focusing on the fact that they lost a bunch of money playing this game rather than the fact that they chose to play the game so, and if you, know. you choose to if you choose to take a variable rate contract and uh, and once a decade, there are these big snowstorms, and demand goes up way, way high, and supply goes down way, way low. Then that's like something you should have priced into your decision. And if you fail to do that and you end up saddled with a really big electric bill, like, I, 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 I like, I, my heart goes out to people who, like, genuinely cannot pay these bills. But after a certain point, you just need to say that, like, people have to live with the consequences of their decisions. Because and you know, I I don't and- get why that's such a hard concept to wrap your head around. Like, uh, 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 another, like, instance of the same argument I've had was uh, I had a friend arguing that CD Projekt Red should... Um, pay the guy who wrote The Witcher books a lot of money because uh, The Witcher games were a way bigger success than he anticipated when he originally sold the rights to it. But, like, CDPR offered him a percentage contract. He declined it in exchange for a fixed-rate contract, and he ended up losing that bet. And, like, I don't see any way to make the case that he should be indemnified for having make the, made this bet and lost, that doesn't end in a massive clusterfuck where everyone will always make those big bets because they know that they'll be subsidized if they lose. <laughs> and right. like that's like exactly the mode of thinking that led to the 2008 financial crash. So yes. clearly All this right. is a bad thing to generalize. And there's no reason why you should embrace it in this specific case without generalizing it. So don't embrace are, it.
0: I think you are pivoting to a much easier to defend argument. So I want to bring it back to so, the power one. Yeah. It, so because, so see,
3: I'm I'm, I'm um, pivoting I'm pivoting to a different case of the same thing happening. Yes, and I understand. like yeah, it, I understand. It, it, it's a, a it's a case where I think a lot of people's intuitions will be. Uh, primed differently. And I agree,
0: right. but I don't, I think that there is a distinct and important difference in the fact that people's intuitions are primed differently. They think that uh, having the ability to generate heat in a deadly snowstorm is a basic necessity of living, which it probably is, and that it is immoral to charge someone that much amount of money. And I agree with you on all the points that you made, uh, except for the fact that a lot of people believe that Uh, the government should prevent people from being able to make immoral contracts. Like The government does not allow you to take out a hit on someone else. The government does not allow you to sell yourself into slavery. And there are people who would say the government should not allow you to sign a variable rate contract that has no limits and no exceptions for things like this happening. And therefore, the contract and the bill should be thrown out on on, um, grounds of being unconscionable. This yeah, actually so, so
4: I I, I minimum wage, but we we'll have to just table that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. so
3: I, I actually do think that um, – I do think you should be allowed to sell yourself into slavery, and the reason why it's acceptable to ban assassination contracts is because they have large negative externalities, Um uh, I I would I would love to see someone trying to internalize that particular externality but yeah assassination contracts do fall into the exceptions we've talked about uh to where voluntary transactions are maybe not uh social utility maximizing.
5: You had a thing, Chase? Yeah, if we're not going to the QA uh could you talk about the sort of issue with perfect information? That's sort of my one hesitance about some of this, uh, like scam artists could flourish.
4: And I think to 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 expand on that exact thing, or maybe this is an example. Tell me if I'm right or wrong, Jace. Like, I don't know if the average person is equipped to understand the the risk involved over the next twenty years of signing a variable rate or fixed rate contract for electricity. Yeah. Right. So, like, that person. I- Either okay, might select so, uh, information due to lobbying or or lack of internet freedom or something, or they might just not be good at numbers. I also but, think this is okay, so so incentivize scam artistry. Okay, right. Okay, so
3: let's say that the when you're choosing a variable rate versus a fixed rate, there was text in uh in 14 point bold red print saying, warning, over the past ten years prices have gone as high as such and such during these circumstances and are likely, and, uh, by, um, meteorological estimates there, this is, uh, however many percent likely to happen again in the next 10 years, and people chose the variable rate anyway, then would you still think that they should pay
4: the, uh, variable rate? I think that's my easier question than Jace's, but just a quick answer. would be like, if that was presented on the front page and they had said, look, your odds of having to pay $48,000 a month for electricity are approximately one in 500, do you still want to sign? Then I'd be okay with it. If it's hidden in obscure legalese yeah. on page 468, then I disagree with like it. Like what, what's making the company that's producing these have to put that label? Uh,
3: I, don't, I don't, so don't think in, most in the particular are... case of Texas, it's people vote people in the uh, Texas Energy Cooperative or whatever it's called voting to require it. Okay,
5: I like that. What are you going
0: to say any I, I think this a lot of this the real sticking point comes down to what is government allowed to stop people from doing for their own good like that that is what the variable rate contract question is that is like do people have to get vaccines before they can get on a plane kind of thing It's what is the level where the government says you have to do this thing for your own good even if you don't want to so uh, vac- so vaccines, are-, vaccines are-, are variable rate is one of those things.
3: Yeah, so vaccines are an interesting and timely example uh, because you don't actually need a government to, um, to uh, enforce vaccines. You can just have the airline companies enforce vaccines and the schools and the stores and so on. Um, like that, that is something that I think a libertarian society would actually uh, address very, very well Uh, For the same reason that even though I live in the deep south and like probably 70 percent of the people I see walking around are unmasked. Every single business has a sign in the window saying, please put on a mask before you enter this establishment. I heard that the businesses actually were able to uh, enforce their property rights in uh, in a meaningful way to having their customer base actually use protective equipment, then that would be like a lot um, better. Like that would be much better than just having a government where there's a 50% chance that it's run by someone good and a 50% chance that it's run by
4: Trump. I heard that Texas, uh, like shortly and, yeah, after- I
3: know the odds aren't fifty
4: fifty, but that was yeah, just for
5: illustrative purposes. It was good. <laughs>
4: um, I heard that Texas after the after the the mask lifting uh, passed that like Target for example said you still have to wear masks to come to Target. Yeah, that that's a, that's a good example. And then it the ex- the idea of a vaccine free schools and airlines. I'm just picturing like uh. someone deciding to send their kid to the Jenny McCarthy you know elementary school where like one in 10 kid dies of, of preventable illness or like someone else deciding, you know, I'm going to fly in the vaccine free airline. Uh, I guess then again, it's probably cheaper to fly in the vaccine free airline. And if you're vaccinated, you're safe to fly there. So I, yeah, not a hundred percent, but you're safer yeah uh, assuming they um, didn't ban masks and make you lick each other's faces then you're probably yeah. you're as probably in like, decent shape yeah, it
5: works as long as you assume people make rational choices but that's my other issue yeah.
4: I, I think um, i'm with jace
3: i want i want protection this well, is my well uh, in- so so again um, people are more likely to make rational choices about what they're buying for themselves with their own money than they are when they're voting and so, like, it is completely true that people are often irrational, but they're more rational in the marketplace than they are in the voting booth. So, the government cannot be a, a solution to irrationality.
4: Eh, I mean, the government. You're right, because I'm, I'm I'm looking at an ideal government, not the one we have. And yet, uh, I think I think dodge. We're, we're getting. <laughs> I, I, I dodged that bonk. I think I think we're getting a little far afield. But I, I do, you know, we'll we'll, we'll put a, a pin in this for next time. I share Jace's concern massively for like. How do we protect people, yeah who, so who don't so, have either perfect information or the ability to move to a place at a better age away? Yeah. yeah,
3: so I do want to talk about perfect information real quick because uh it is just like another chance for me to goosh about some basic price theory uh so the um the information problem is essentially uh so suppose. You are a car dealer, uh, who knows whether your cars are peaches or lemons, and, um, someone, and I'm trying to buy a car from you. I don't know whether they're peaches or lemons. Uh, so because I don't know whether they're peaches or lemons, the only, um, I won't be and say your lot is split 50-50 between them, and, um... I won't go into specific numbers, uh, because, um, that would, that doesn't make very good radio, but if that's the case, then I'm only willing to pay half the price I'd be willing to pay for a peach, and, or rather, the half the price I'd be willing to pay for a peach plus half the price I'd be willing to pay for a lemon, which is the expected value of a random car, um... If you know that I'm not going to do better than that halfway between price, then you're going to take all of the peaches off a lot because you're getting underpaid for all of them. And so you'll only have lemons. Uh, I will only be willing to pay the lemon price once you take the peaches off a lot. And uh, we end up with a market where you only sell uh, lemons and you don't get paid very much for it. Uh, so this is... Um, a case not just of imperfect information, but of asymmetric information. And in asymmetric information markets, then um, voluntary exchange isn't guaranteed to create the social optimum outcome. It's very important that it is uh, asymmetric information markets because imperfect information markets where the imperfection is symmetrical do actually produce the or an efficient outcome. Because uh, if you don't know whether uh, any given car is a lemon or a peach, then you'll be willing to accept the halfway between price because there's a 50% chance that you get overpaid and a 50% chance that you get underpaid. Um, So, uh, yeah, asymmetric information is a... um, case where voluntary exchange can uh, end with bad outcomes. Uh, But there there are more ways than people think for uh, imperfect information problems or asymmetric information problems to be resolved. Uh, Some of my favorites are uh, hostage capital, uh, which is just one of my favorite uh, concepts in economics. Uh, You were saying something, Jace? Um... I don't, don't these
5: solutions, though, largely require coordination efforts? Like, no, it's they not don't. Just, and, really? uh,
3: and hostage capital is a coordinationless um, way to uh, um, solve asymmetric information problems. So, okay. I will talk about it now. Yeah, uh, so,
0: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Okay. I, yeah, I, I got to be wrapping this up sometime okay. soon.
3: All right. I got to. Uh, stuff okay then this can be the last thing we talk about in this episode and we can do a part two at some point uh, what, how long will this take uh it will take like five ten minutes um but it'll take longer if you keep asking questions
4: let's let, let, let's uh let's we'll do we'll do some pre-reading before the next episode and, and uh read about hostage capitalism because that sounds hilarious uh, and we'll save it for next time how's that sound
3: uh okay fine
4: I know, we're, leave, we're leaving you hanging, but yeah. you
3: more. now you're one you more. You gave me hostage capital blue balls.
4: Thank you. You're, you're, you're incentivized to come back and give us, uh, give us the next oh, oh, I don't need an incentive. <laughs> <laughs> so before
0: we like wrap this up, are there since this was supposed to be addressing the Texas thing, are there anything else that any of us want to say about the whole Texas thing?
4: I have one last factual question that should have a yes or no. You said that the fixed rate was an option. Mm-hmm. So if I am either I I chose the variable rate, yeah. you, my neighbor chose the fixed rate, right? Did your electricity work with the same reliability as mine, but, and you got to pay your usual rate.
0: Yes. Because you can't shut off electricity just to an individual house. It's to regions. So, which so, is why when they s- kept el- electricity going to the hospitals, they basically had the entire region around the hospital
4: got electricity. And those were generally the nicer
0: parts of town from what I heard.
4: Yeah. Okay. So that, at least, so I'm happy to hear that, okay. that if you did opt into the, the fixed rate contract, that you weren't like individually penalized uh, during the during the black and brownouts. Yeah. Okay, so that that was my that was my last clarifying question there. No way. All right. Anything from Jace?
3: Uh, no, Let's wrap it up.
4: All right. Wait. 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 Anything from David about the
0: whole Texas thing?
3: Uh, yeah. If a place has a government, then generally you want to bet against anything that happens in that place. Being an argument against libertarianism. <laughs>
4: <laughs> deal i i, I not, really not always it. but generally sure no i really appreciate this whole conversation i thought that it was a lot of fun i mean the downside is there's just too many rabbit holes this is the kind of yes. con- kind of conversation you need to have you know i i, up- I admit when you uh
3: pitch this group episode or this uh episode to me my initial thought was you think we can do that in one episode we could have glad, could. glad <laughs> to see i'm right
4: I don't know. I, I It was, it was also, a good time.
3: Also, in, Inyash. if you are hosting this podcast in particular and you're betting against a bunch of tangents, then you are a fool. Well,
0: yeah, okay. But I was, I don't know. The one thing I would say about Texas is that it seems to me a lot of the problems that people have against Libertarian is what Wes said. People like to prevent people from doing things. And one of those things is not uh, having... Insurance not having regulations, uh, and you're going to run into a problem whenever you have a large group of people trying to have a sort of libertarian government that doesn't do that because people just seem to think it's really important.
5: It's a to, social to, punishment to, thing, right?
0: Yeah, they they have to force people to not make dumb decisions, and uh, I I have issues with that because a lot of decisions that the government has in the past has said are dumb are things that I want to choose to do, like you know have gay sex or take drugs or whatever it is. But, uh, on the other hand, there's also a strong, overwhelming social pressure to not allow people to get those kinds of bills, uh, or to not have certain types of insurance. And that's, that's a, another hard problem that I think is difficult to solve.
4: I don't think the fence one is the only one. It's given me a lot, give me a lot to chew on anyway. Okay, good. No, this, this was awesome. And this, this, this was awesome, largely in part today due to Dmitry Parisky. I'm sorry, Dmitry. I can't, I can't read good. Uh, (laughs) Pariski Pariski. I'm going to go with that pronunciation. Your public uh, education system at work, ladies and gentlemen. All right, try this public education system. What? I did, I went to the
0: same public education system
4: as you. Yeah, so can you? Can you? Uh, it's definitely Dimitri.
0: <laughs> I all
4: right, Dmitri Pariski. I think it wasn't so much that I couldn't read it, it's that I can't talk. So uh.
1: <laughs> anyway, it
4: was a little column A, a little column B. Anyway, thank you, Dimitri. You rock, and we really appreciate everything you do for us. Let us know if we can do anything for you. That goes for everybody, uh, including you, David. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I don't know. I had a lot of fun. You know, even if even if most of this was just chasing each other's tails and, and trying to, to, you know, touch a 100 things in an hour, I had a great time with it. So Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, let's continue it sometime.
0: Yeah. Thank you, David, for coming on. Thank you, Dimitri, for being our patron and producing this episode for everyone to listen to. Uh, hopefully, they all appreciate it as well. And, um,
4: and thank you to Wes for being here for an hour. Sorry we... Had scheduling uh bubbles yeah
0: oh and everybody um if you want to hear more of uh news politics and uh, <laughs> in particular david pushing his libertarian agenda on everybody uh listen to the mind killer it is
3: our sister podcast it
1: hey also has hey on it.
3: i only push my libertarian agenda at people who voluntarily agree <laughs> <laughs> by listening to the podcast that's true and wes always pushes his i don't know exactly
0: it's, it's not fully
3: statist, though. It's sort of It's weird. very statist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's not that statist.
5: Please. He also likes, uh, what the hell is it, wireheading and
0: hedonism and yeah. uh, I get some wacky ideas that are fun. And I will just about. push my general, you know, everything I'm correct on agenda. So, yeah.
4: I'm, I'm an ordained minister of the Church of the Dude. So nice. that's basically my agenda. Yeah, so
0: you abide. <laughs>
4: yeah, I abide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I I also, just as long as we're plugging Mind Killers, maybe I'm biased because I'm on this side of the microphone for this podcast, but I laugh a lot more listening to the Mind Killers than I do do recording this, I think. Okay. Um, David, especially, I find your brand of humor, like, exactly point on. There was one, I think this prompted me to bring it up in the chat, like, months, months ago. Uh, West had dropped some le- like one word of legalese, and you're like, "Hey, for the those of us who aren't lawyers and/or pretentious, can you define <laughs> that?" <laughs> and I still chuckle about that to this day. Oh, <laughs> I mean, thanks
5: for people like our podcast because we really with each other, and
0: then the opposite. You know, I like both flavors. Yeah,
4: yeah it's, it's different, different flavors for sure. Yeah. So,
0: Google the Mind Killer podcast, or just come to you know our site. We have a link to it as well. And uh yeah, we'll see you all in two weeks, I guess.
4: Cool beans. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Thanks, bud. Bye.